Mother, man. Hello, you beautiful beach babes. Rodney Alcala here. Before I kill you, I'm going to listen to Murder Metal Mayhem. Spreading faster than a case of the clap in a trailer court. Able to shatter eardrums within a 666-mile radius. A podcast more brutal than all the rest. It's Murder Metal Nice of Rodney Alcala to Thank do that you, for us. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, Rodney. All right, well, we Something are here. It's Tuesday. Yet. It's a new Murder Metal Mayhem, Chris. Yes, sir. Here in Horns High Studios for the Horns High Podcast Network. Chris, Joey, everybody doing good? Fuck yeah. It's getting nah, cold, Nah, Joey's man. a dick, dude. Yeah. Getting cold. Yeah, Joey played a little trick it's on fucking- you. fucking... Taking my phone, I thought I lost that son of a bitch. I just got this shit. And I'm like, where the fuck? Yeah, he told me, and I was like, that's just fucking me. Man. I felt it's bad. funny as fuck, though. Yeah, so having a little fun here, but yeah, it is definitely fall. It's uh, you know Thanksgiving here is uh, next week, which yeah. is crazy. So we're coming up on a, a big holiday, and so everybody's getting in mode for that. And it's getting cold. I'd eat some motherfucking food for days, <laughs> for sure. So what shirts you got on, Chris? I love that Bundy shirt yeah, you got, got the, going on. The rest in peace fucking Theodore Robert Bundy shirt that the homie Cashman here gave to me. Yeah, that's a good I love one. wearing this shirt to work, dude. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, I love wearing stuff like that when you're somewhere where it's like not quite appropriate. Right, you know, right. It's just perfect. Joey, few, I know a... what you got on over there, but our listeners obviously don't. So what do you yeah, got? I got the Ulti- the Impetigo Ultimo Mundo Cannibal hoodie, and I got the Impetigo hat because uh, I had to rock them guys uh, right. yeah. since we're doing uh, them in the metal section. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. And so, yeah, you are definitely repping some Impetigo local legends. And you went to Sweden. I did, I did. I went, uh, in my mind, I went to Sweden and I ordered this fucking Warfect shirt. Yeah, that's tight. Uh, they got it from their label, which has got a U.S. Uh, Distribution. Uh, distro center. So thankfully, I got it quick and uh, totally digging those guys. The old uh, yeah, Rat King shirt. shirt. Yeah. It's fucking badass. And so uh, totally digging those guys. And I'm going to be doing a feature on them Hell yeah! the next time it's my turn to do it because I really like them and going to do an interview with their bass player, Chris. So very, very cool stuff. Uh, last week we did our episode on that fucked up, mashed nose motherfucker, Chris. <laughs> Dude, he looked like... <laughs> Man, I can't even wow. explain. It's Poor bastard. Smashed up face, goofy, yeah. wonky eye shit. Yeah, like, Fritz Honka, man, the German serial killer. Just crazy. Uh, he had a thing for old, toothless prostitutes, and he would take them and kill them and chop them up and put the body parts, some around town, some in the attic. Um, behind the wall. Yeah, behind <laughs> walls, whatever. Um, and we had a bit of fun. As you could tell, making fun of the way he looked because it's so fucked up. I don't think I've ever seen somebody so horrifying like out and about, <laughs> man. Wow. Dude, no, that dude's a killer. Yeah. Dude. I mean, yeah, you look up serial killer and that should be the picture you see. Right. There. Possibly uh, Joe M- Matheny would yeah, freak Joe me out yeah. a little more, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one picture of him yeah. screaming. Yeah, yeah, that's fucked up. 
So uh, we had a bit of fun with it, but I did the metal feature on Generation Kill. Hell they yeah. were my first pick and played that uh, clip, 10-minute clip of the interview I did with Rob Dukes, the singer. Of course, he also was a singer in Exodus. And that's going to be the bonus uh, next week that they're going to get the full 41-minute interview with Rob Dukes. So I uh, had a good mayhem story, little boy underwear. That was kind of disturbing. <laughs> you guys were dying to know what that was about. Oh, yeah. And so I shared that with the uh, with the audience and just the crazy stuff we do. So if you missed episode 157, go on and give it a listen. Uh, we were passing about 800 on that one today. So... Been a little slow on listens, but hey, people got stuff going on. We really appreciate the 800 plus that yes, listen to thank it. You. So thank you. Now, tonight we got a good one. He's been on the list for a little bit. Um, you know, just a, a bizarre, fucking, weird fucking story. Yeah, the coincidence is fucking, it's just fucked up. Rodney yeah. Alcala being on the dating game. Yeah, the dating game killer, they called him. But yeah, just so crazy. Seven victims. He killed in multiple states, uh, but it is suspected that there could have been a lot more. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's a very, very good possibility. Oh, dude, for real. Um, he was actually, as Chris said, a contestant on the dating game under his real name. While he's well, under suspicion of murders yeah, and, and actively killing people. Um, and, you know, just unbelievably ballsy to be on TV. I remember Dude. that one documentary with that cop that was like watching it. He was just no, like, yeah, that's what? What? Like, Dude, it makes me think of those fucking memes with fucking goddamn, uh, uh, what's his name, Leonardo DiCaprio, where he's got oh, the beer yeah, and the cigarette, yeah, yeah. he's right. like pointing and shit. Right. Like, wait, hold on, that motherfucker? Yeah. <laughs> this guy's on fucking TV and it was taped. Yeah, we're going to talk about it, but it's just an interesting twist to a really weird story. So we'll have the details of that fool in the murder segment. Hell so. yeah. Now, Joey, uh, metal segment is yours tonight, man. What's uh, what's the plan here, dude? Uh, we're gonna talk about Impetigo, which fucking right. people might not know who they are, but they're like uh, an originator of the gore grind genre, kind of especially here in the Midwest, and they're from Bloomington, which is where right me here. and Chris live, but fucking yeah. ten minutes from where we're at at the studio here, right? And uh, they uh, they were they were around back in the day, and even though their time active wasn't really that long their influence that they left afterwards yes. was fucking huge so, so yeah. much dude. Yeah. Yeah. so we'll talk about that. that's really cool and and as i've mentioned before the late low 12 guitar player tim mcclellan loved in pentago that's Hell how yeah. i heard about him he was obsessed with them so being that you're a big fan it's going to be awesome I'm, I'm really anxious to learn more about him uh and we'll do that in the metal segment that'll oh, be yeah. kick ass um, so trying to get used to this new way of doing the metal segment, and it is, you know, an interesting twist that we we were lucky enough to have CK pulling that weight, but right. you know we no, got we got to keep going. Hell yeah! Uh, killer cage match tonight. Chris yeah. got some listeners. We want to say thank you to some familiar faces. Yes, there, we do. Man. We got Roger Smith, Michael Draymond, and uh, Rebecca Boomsock always Rebecca, in there. god damn. Wow. <laughs> Fucking right, man. Yeah. And speaking of Rebecca, we got some news uh, that she's going to be uh, going to get her on the real. show. So we'll talk about that later. Uh, got a good one, though, tonight in the cage. Uh, Joey, what's the matchup in the in the cage tonight? Uh, we're going to have California's uh, 
you know, the guy that that they figure out who it is every 15 years and <laughs> yeah. claim to solve it. I don't know. This last one seems <laughs> yeah. legit, but who knows? Right? I'll hear about it again when I'm like 47. Right. But, right. Uh, but anyhow, <laughs> but yeah, we got the Zodiac killer and he's going to go up against the infamous Jack the Ripper. Who's still who we also sure. don't really know. Who also told fucking Fritz Honka to fucking kill people. Yes, that's right. So. He sure did. Maybe he was, <laughs> hey, man, maybe I he forgot was to Zodiac, mention right? that old <laughs> fucking ridiculous shit the ripper so yeah fucking zodiac and the ripper going yeah at it, though. so two in uh, officially unsolved murderers true and both so we don't really know fuck. you know but yeah yep. very high profile uh big big uh, as media i'm sitting sensation. here i'm thinking how i should draw a picture of the fucking zodiac fucking fighting that'd Jack the ripper. that would be tight that, that would be badass awesome, yeah. dude that'd be bad maybe we'll do that in the next activity book yeah that would be sick yeah. so we're going to talk about that because chris you suggested it so i'm thinking in 2022 it's about time we'll get some murder mental mayhem activity book Update part two so yeah. it'll be fun to get joey doing the art yeah uh, so uh, it'll be interesting, though, to get these two in the cage. They're going to have two objects to fight with and an interesting variable. So that always is fun. We're going to do that, of course, in Mayhem. So you got to stick around for that. Thank you to everybody listening to the show. We really appreciate it. And the numbers, you know, like I said, are a little low for us. But, you know, we realize people got stuff going on. We keep, you know, doing what we do and it ebbs and flows. Uh, we were at about 2,000 listens uh, last week. So that's still awesome. So thank you very, very much. Keep listening. Tell more people. That's right. That's right. Well, Chris, Joey, I, we got a lot on our plate as always. We're going to be going to sunny California for this one. <laughs> I wish they for, all could be for, California. Yeah, that, that would have been a good uh, karaoke. <laughs> so. uh, game show contestant. Can also be a serial killer. Fuck yeah. Let's get our fucking murder on.
Oh, my God. <laughs> it's been a while, dude. Wow. I got to say, Joey put me up to it. He's like, dude, you got to do some PMP at last week. And I couldn't find it. And so I'm like, dude, it's got to be on the backup hard drive. So I dug the backup hard drive out. Not on there. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, where did I? I searched it. I mean, I did everything. So the only thing I could do is thankfully go into my Gmail. And when I would email you know, shit to you guys, right, right. I had it. So I was like, I'll just download it. That was totally unexpected. So, yeah, I almost lost that forever. So that would have been That's terrible. Funny. But, yeah, some PMP, pre-murder piss. <laughs> Before that, of course, uh, the Morbid mighty angel. Morbid Angel, Fall from Grace. That's so my uh, personal favorite nasty. song by them. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. Good. Yeah, that's fucking sick, man. All right. Well, we are in uh, the uh, murder segment, and uh, we're going to talk about the, uh, the just insane story of Rodney Alcala, uh, known as the dating game killer because of his appearance on the game show, very popular at the time. Back in the day, them sexual innuendos in that show. Oh, right? a lot of them. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Every, like like every whole, episode, dude. Like, yeah, for but, real. But even, like, the, the, the girls, when they were on it, like, talking to him and, like, right. doing the dirty old man shit. Yeah, like, yeah. It's yeah. Like, all that shit nowadays would be like, what'd you just say? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're exactly. joking about The a whole crowd's laughing. A lot different time, that's for it's sure. It's like... Uh, like uh, it was at different strokes with the bicycle man episode. And it's so fucking creepy. Cause it's about them getting like abducted by a child predator right. who's photographing them and like having them take their shirts off and shit. Right. But the whole I, yeah, time yeah. there's a laugh track going on in the fucking, Oh, that's it, fucked up. And like, like you, the show. Yeah. Yeah. And you watch it now and you're just like, ah. that's really fucked up. It right? is fucked up. <laughs> so yeah. So this is a good one for sure. But uh, he's on this fucking game show, and the cops are looking for him for these murders in sunny California. So uh, he would later be convicted of five murders in California and two in New York. Coast to coast. Coast Yeah, and a lot of other states were involved, too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Many believe there were many more, and it is crazy, you know, Instead of the way Fritz Honka selects his victims, toothless, old, and, <laughs> and prostitutes, Alcala had a knack for picking these rich victims yep. like from prominent families. And I don't know if he intentionally did that. I mean, or if you're going to do fuck? something as crazy as what you're doing and you fucking, you know, you can go to prison for the rest of your life for this. A, oh, you go, a, you can go to the prostitutes because that's your best chance of not getting found right. out. But B, you go to these hot ones because you're like, fuck that. If I'm going to risk it all, I'm going to make it worth it. My prize is going to be worth Right, uh, right, you know what I'm yeah, saying. I guess I might only get one or two shots of keeping one of these for a couple of days. I want it to be a good one. <laughs> it's right. fucked up though. I mean, it really is. How we <laughs> just had this knack for these like millionaire children and so you got the cops fucking going nuts i mean these are not prostitutes that nobody knows are missing these are like kids and not you know not millionaires but uh ted bundy his victims were definitely of the upper class too true he had you know his standards when it came to he was gonna kill he really did he really (laughs) did so uh, it's just an interesting dichotomy between him and the whole Fritanka thing last week. Yeah, um, he of course would get the death penalty, which in California basically is just a life sentence. 
Uh, he died in July of this year on death row of natural causes. Gone out of his mind. Yeah, completely fucking out of there. Um, and a fucked up case that should be a good one to talk about between the three of us with this fucking dude. So, Chris, I am not aware of another serial killer making a game show appearance. Is that either the dumbest fucking thing that a person could ever do or just ballsy as fuck? What do you think Alcala was thinking? First of all, you know you're actively being looked at by fucking cops, FBI, and shit. You're fucking ballsy as fuck. Second... (laughs) Like, what was his name? Chuck Barris, the creator of the dating game, claimed to be a CIA agent in his book that he wrote. So there's another fucking, oh, you consider wow. that serial killer? Same show, fucking <laughs> dude claimed to be an assassin for the CIA. Right. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, it's just so fucking crazy how this went down. Joey, how do you think a lot of our listeners are going to be with this? Are they going to be familiar with Rodney Alcala? The thing with Alcala is uh, I would I would figure that a lot more people might not know Rodney Alcala, but you say the dating game killer, right? right. then that's going to ring a bell, and then they'll right. be like, oh, yeah, Rodney, and then the name might. So right. with, with him, his, uh, his fucking media name or whatever you want right. to call it, you know, his title that they gave him, it definitely, I think, precedes his fucking his right. notoriety. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. but his sure. case is definitely fucking a brutal one and a it good is. one for us to do. So. Very brutal. Now, like you guys, I knew the name uh, and his tie to the dating game, but I wasn't exactly, you know, sure of the extent of the other, you know, murders that he actually did. I knew of the encounter on the game show, but I had wondered if maybe the she was one of his victims. Of course, learned that she was not, but right, yeah. but you know, it just I didn't know a lot of the details, so it was very interesting to to find out more about him. And the whole thing with him wanting to be his own attorney, you know, we've we've done that whole thing before. Definitely not the best thing for somebody to do uh, in a death case is yeah. to uh, act as your own attorney because that usually does not end well. But this guy is a fucking narcissist, very similar to Bundy, who, of course, also acted as yeah. his own attorney. So these guys have some similarities. Uh, Rodney Alcala was born 1943 to Mexican-American parents in San Antonio, Texas. His birth name was Rodrigo Jacques Alcala Bocor, uh, which is a fucking mouthful. But yeah. um, he had two sisters and at least one older brother. I saw in some things I read he had two, so I'm not sure. Um, but the older brother is Raul. Uh, his father moved the family to Mexico City in 1951 when Rodney was eight, he but bounced. then abandoned. Yeah, like, I'm out. Fucking Fuck leaves you. him there three years later. What a fucking father of the year. Uh, his mother moved him and his brothers and sisters to Los Angeles, um, which I'm guessing, you know, that's why he winds up dropping that Bocour and shortens it up to Rodney instead of Rodrigo and then Alcala which is probably his mother's name, I guess, right. is how that works in, in Mexico. I'm not 100% on that. Maybe one of our Mexican listeners or Texas listeners can work? let us know uh, how that works with the last names over there. Uh, Chris, 10 years later, oh, I'm, I meant forgot to mention that his brother goes to fucking West Point, which yeah. is impressive. Uh, so speaking of the military, Chris, 10 years later, he joins the Army to be a clerk. Yeah, during the Vietnam War and shit. Yeah. Yeah. 
And he fucking, for whatever reason, just broke down any fucking, where is he, Fort Bragg? Uh, I think he was at Fort Bragg, yeah. And then he hitchhiked from there all the way all to the way California to his mom's. And his mom's like, what the fuck? He's like, yeah, I'm AWOL. Fucking, I couldn't right. do it. Yeah. And they said he had a, I guess he was officially discharged. With a, some, I can't remember. Like antisocial right. personality yeah, disorder. Like that, yeah. Uh, is what they were saying. So, so pretty crazy. And I know, you know, from my time in the Army, when somebody's having whatever the medical reason it's a whole series of doctors and this doctor and then a panel of doctors before they actually let you out. So it's it's quite the process. Uh, I went through it with my back, but this is the similar, similar thing. But for mental reasons, uh, he was released. So uh, anything on that, Joey, that about that incident that you wanted to talk about? No, not really. It's just fucking, you know, like Chris was saying, it's fucking crazy that he fucking... It's not so crazy, I guess, but hitchhiking across the country. Like right. literally across the country. I mean, I guess it was you know, it was a lot more acceptable back then and people did it more. True. Now I couldn't even imagine no. like fuck I could that. I mean, I, I grew I mean, I was born in seventy nine, so like I grew up in the eighties, so like hitchhiking was a thing. But now, right now, I can't imagine getting in some stranger's car or letting somebody into my car you right. know that's fucking kind of weird i don't know right and no, so now the stigma's changed over time it really has but back then i mean <clears throat> so yeah it's he like, fucking, hey you need a ride yeah man. he was like, like i'm gonna leave the fucking east coast and i'm gonna end up in la to my mom's house and he did right much to her surprise right so. <laughs> yeah i mean when you got a kid coming home saying they're a wall that's not good uh because that means you know, somebody's coming to look for him yeah. and they're going to go to his mom's house. That's the yeah. thing. I mean, that's where they would have probably just sat there and waited for him. Um, later on, when he was on trial, the psychiatrist that was treating him said that uh, many of the other psychological problems, uh, narcissism, borderline personality disorder, psychopathy, and a sexual sadist. Um, yeah. I mean, that's that is it. like an all of the above kind of thing, Chris. You pretty know, much. I mean, that's fucked up and pretty much sums up this motherfucker. Yeah. You know? um, after he gets out of the army, he goes to UCLA School of Fine Arts. He graduates as a photography major. Uh, I didn't know that about him because I knew he did the pictures, but I thought he was like totally bogus. Oh, he was totally but in school. He was legit. It. You know, yeah, this like comes in handy for him. Later. It really does. <laughs> Um, He's like, I went to college to be a better killer. Now, in yeah, one, exactly. in only one place, I found this info, and I'm not 100% sure because I always like to double source things, especially things that are odd like this. The, he studied film under Roman Polanski when he was in New York at the, the NYU, New York University. But I wasn't able to find the whole thing with Roman Polanski because, of course, our True crime fans are going to recognize that name as the, I don't know if he was the husband or boyfriend to Sharon Tate. He wasn't there, but she was obviously there when the Manson family killed. That died, that she was pregnant. Right. With, but so. I don't know if they were married or just boyfriend, girlfriend. I, I Yeah, I don't think that they were married officially. But right. But I mean, that was his house where right. this fucking happened. So that like, that's life, fucked up. Yeah. yeah. 
And so it's terrible. If, if that is the case, because I didn't see that either, but, you know, definitely possible. Yeah, it is in the book. If that's the case. Oh, like, it was? Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, the, the Manson family murders happened in 69. This is what, the early 70s right, right. here? So this is after Polanski is fucking getting over all that shit. Right. And so somebody like Alcala, like, there's got to be some kind of fucking connection there, you know? Yeah, it really makes you wonder, you know? Um, so the police in California figured he was in Mexico since he had family there and was nowhere to be found. They, he fucking split. Um, so, and in New York, you know, he's at a time when crime was at its worst oh, in the seventies yeah. in New York. I left the Bronx in, uh, I think it was 73 or 74 and it was getting really fucking bad. I mean, like gunfire at night, like it was bad. And my parents are like, we got to get him the fuck. We get the kids the fuck out of here. And they got out right at the right time when it wasn't too expensive to buy a house in Connecticut. Now, you know, or when my parents sold their place there, moved to Arizona, you know, they made like 10 times what they paid for it. Probably more, 20 yeah. times. It was crazy because of the huge jump in the real estate. Right. As the right after we got there. So it was just perfect timing. So I thank my parents for getting me out of a tough neighborhood like this. I mean, this shit is, you know, um, you know, pretty crazy. Um, now, Chris, one thing Alcala had was a lot of confidence. Uh, fucking narcissist. I mean, for real. He right. The shit. He just like, uh, Carried around his fucking cameras like, I got to take some pictures, man. Yeah, he made people feel at ease. He was just really good with people. And apparently he looked good with his long flowing locks. Right, right. Whatever. (laughs) I don't know. But yeah, he he just like thought a lot. I mean, it gave him a lot of confidence being a narcissist. Right. He's like, I can smooth talk anyone. Exactly. And he's got this camera. He's legit, you know. Um, now, Joey, speaking of cameras, we've done some serial killers here that have a thing with photography to get women to go with them. And one that comes to mind is definitely an old school one we did on Harvey, Harvey Glattman, the Glamour Girl Slayer. Um, there were s- many serial killers that referenced Glattman. I think BTK, there were several that uh, reference. Uh, Glattman, I think even Gacy yeah. uh, were, were really into <clears throat> the whole Glattman thing because of the bondage and and the whole photography right before they died and shit. There's a whole lot going into it. Uh, like, A, it gives you a fucking window into fucking starting off with these girls who usually probably attractive and you know you might otherwise not be able to approach them or fucking have the confidence to or whatever even him being a narcissist like he used he used this ploy to fucking help him in and uh you get these girls and it's like man there's an opportunity to become famous right right you know who doesn't want that and it was easy fucking con for some of these people and oh yeah you know the fucking even like hillside stranglers not so much like the photography, but you know, they acted like they could get girls jobs right. as models as and everything models, else. Right. That's what they were, you know. So especially out in California at that time, I mean that's a fucking great ploy to use oh, yeah. to fucking lure them in. Boy, you so. would look great in this catalog. Yeah. Or, you know, boy, yeah. I could get you a job, you know, blah, blah, blah. And 
these women would fall for it, and guys too. It wasn't yeah. just women that. Well, he, and he then there's a, there's a second side to it too, and it's like okay, so now you got somebody like fucking Gladman, or you got fucking you know Alcala. And they're taking these photographs. They have these photographs of these girls now. Right. So that's something that they possess. Of totally. The, like each and every one of them, no matter how minimal or if he doesn't ever bang them or any interaction or whatnot, he's still, that's Got a piece that. of them that he has forever. Right. And it's just like part of their fucking mind frame. And it's just creepy as fuck. Bro. It is creepy, man. It really is. Uh, that Glattman case, though, from the 1950s, we did that in the early days, Chris. I looked it up. Episode 12. Damn. Holy shit, dude. <laughs> Episode 12, June of 2018, right at the beginning. God, uh, damn. What a crazy one to do that early, too. Uh, but one of those cases that many of true crime fans maybe don't realize or know about because it's an older one, but the Glamour Girl Slayer is worth checking out. So, yeah, go back, listen to Episode 12. Alcala's first known act of violence happened in September of 1969. Oh, this is saw... definitely not his first, though. There's no way. No, I don't think the so fir- either. The first document. The first right. one they That's know what I'm about. Saying. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Uh, of 1969, a witness saw him lure an eight-year-old girl into his Hollywood apartment. The witness, though, was fucking persistent, man. He followed him to this Alcala's place because he thought it looked suspicious right. with this girl. Because she was like standing there like, nah, not really. And then he couldn't hear her, but he saw what was the interaction. He's like, all right, right, this don't look fucking right. No. And so he follows him, which is awesome. And then he winds up calling the cops. The cops get there, see him in the fucking window naked. He's telling him he's he like, just got out of the, the shower, shower, but he's like bone dry and fucking cops naked. Up. It's like you got ten seconds, dude, to open the door, and you didn't, so he kicked the fucking door in. Yeah, like said, "Fuck you." Yeah, and then I'm he finds in. that girl, Tally. I can't remember her Shapiro. Last name. Shapiro. Yeah. Yeah. But Chris, they finds her in just this awful condition, awful state, dude. Beat just up, beat up, like uh, with a bar, like been raped, just terrible scene. And then the steel bar across her neck, so she can't breathe, slowly yeah. dying. He thought she was alive, and then she just like kind of coughed, gurgle. I guess like a movie scene, kind of. I guess, but right, like they, as opposed to fucking trying to catch Alcala, they said, "No, nah, we gotta save this girl." Like, right, he took off out the back, as and soon they as totally fucking... did save that kid, man. Yeah, one hundred percent. Because like, she well, would have we'll died. Fucking get him. Yeah. We gotta save this kid. Right, that's a fucked up call, you know, because he was really close, you know. No, that's the right he's call. Naked, though. running out of the back, <laughs> wouldn't be too hard to find, you right? Know? But it is the right call because, yeah, I mean, he winds up saving that girl. Uh, they had her on one of the documentaries I watched talking about it, and it was just like, wow, you know. She says she don't remember anything no after getting to the apartment. She, like it doesn't remember shit about. Yeah, it, and that's good. Yeah, right. Yeah, and that's good. So, yeah, that cop was a badass uh, to to save her. She was actually in a coma for 32 days, but, of course, survived. So pretty strong girl, and she pulled through. But, yeah, she was a very wealthy, from a very wealthy family. Her dad was like a music executive and uh, that sort of thing. So, you know, prominent family. Now, Chris Alcala would leave Los Angeles. He goes to the Big Apple there in New York where he studies Cross film. Cross country, yep. Cross country. F- studies some film at NYU under the name John Berger. I know somebody by that name, hopefully not related. <laughs> okay. But he doesn't stop committing crimes. He keeps doing his thing, Chris. I mean, No, he's, he's still committing crimes. And he also fucking... 
he was the that was when he was the counselor of the all girls fucking like camp or whatever in New Hampshire. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, isn't that when that same that time was his period? summer job? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's yeah. a fucking all girls camp. This dude's out there. Nobody knows who he is, even though the FBI's looking for him. As far, that's what I think is crazy. Like, how the fuck does nobody know? I know you're across the country and it's the 70s, but damn, come on, man. Well, he changed one letter in his last name from B-E-R to B-U-R. Right. And so that's all he did, though. That's pretty lazy. Like, you couldn't have come up with a different name altogether, you know? So anyway, um, June of 1971, a 23-year-old flight attendant was found raped and strangled with a nylon stocking in her Manhattan apartment. There were 2,000 murders at that time of year in New York City. So again, really bad time. Uh, murder remained unsolved for up until 2011, but I didn't see any details on that. I don't know if either of you guys heard. Was it DNA, I assume? Yeah, it was DNA. Is how they brought yeah. this one back, which is great that they fucking caught him that way. I, I just wasn't 100%, but I figured that was the case. Um, and like you said, Chris, he's working at this fucking arts camp for kids. Changes his name slightly. But uh, seems to have gotten away with it. Now, Joey, he ends up on the FBI top ten, ten most man. Wanted. I mean, you got to be a fucking real fucking piece of work to end up on there. Well, right. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, which also gives credence to how come Alcala is not a little more known since, you know, he was even obviously big in the news and shit. But um, you, get end up, you end up on that and then you're in a fucking tiny ass state like New Hampshire and these kids recognize you, right? Really students, right? I think they were like, yeah, they were, yeah, from, the they were, they were from the camp, campus, yeah. right? Yeah, or, it was oh, raining camp, outside, yeah. and they ran into the post office. That's right. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. And they're like, uh, that guy that that's on the ten like, most wanted list. That's fucking. That looks like burger. Fucking, yeah, like holy shit. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, you know, that was him. We fucking dude when they fucking called the FBI. Fucking, he was pissed. Fucking uh, Alcala. Oh, I mean, I'm sure he was. He wasn't going to be happy. Yeah. I lost no. my train of thought for a second. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah but those up. kids, I mean, that was just bum luck. So they went back and told one of the counselors. And then the counselor was like, are you sure? So he went up there yeah. and checked it. And he's like, oh, fuck. And he called, <laughs> yeah, he called the FBI. Yeah, the so, so anyway, uh, he winds up getting arrested uh, and extradited back to Los Angeles by the two detectives that had been looking for him. So that was kind of cool when that cop said, I got the the call that they had him in New York, and I was pumped. So me and the other guy, his partner, flew, yeah. and then they escorted him back. So right. that's pretty awesome. That's got to be a good feeling, man. You've been looking for this motherfucker, thought he was in Mexico, and then boom, he shows up in New York. So the Shapiro family, uh, of the that's the first victim, uh, Tally Shapiro, they moved to Mexico and refused her to testify against Alcala. Yeah, they just didn't want to bring it, bring it up. No, I mean, you can't blame the dude. I mean, that's a terrible fucking experience for somebody. I don't somebody. know why they couldn't get him on more shit than what they did because right. these cops witnessed like him in the house, like, right. everything. Right. What's fucked up, going? though, back then, it's like if you didn't have your witnesses show up, 
Like that was it. No, like, that was, yeah. yeah. It was so fucking weird and different mm-hmm. back then. It was. Where it now was. it's like, oh, your old man beat your ass. And you called the cops on him, and we put him in jail. But now you're up here telling us that you don't want to press charges. Fuck you. Now the state picks it up. Right. So, you know, you can't just much do that. Much different time. Right. Back, backtracking time. and all that. It's pretty much fucking dead now. And, right. You know, like you said, they seen him in the fucking window naked and saw what they saw. Right. Exactly. That should be enough right there. But and, right. The, and the witness that followed to the house should yeah. be like. But back then, they're like, oh, the witness doesn't want to come in and do this? Okay, then fuck it yeah basically exactly so all he gets convicted for is child molestation gets what they call an indeterminate sentence which means he's reviewed every year for parole um and so this case though makes you want to just fucking beat your head into a wall (laughs) because he gets fucking 17 months for that yeah and he's paroled in 1974 so yeah not cool no not at all then, less than two fucking months after this fool gets out of prison, Alcala assaults a 13-year-old girl after he offered her a ride to school. Uh, he goes back to prison, but is paroled two years later. So, again, it's just this back and that's forth. Girl, I mean, That's the girl he took out, out in the woods and the fucking uh, forest ranger found him smelling uh, weed, right? I believe so, yeah. 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 Like, And she's like, no, nah, he's fucking... St- Brought me here unwillingly. Like, right. and he tried blaming the weed on the girl too. Oh, shit. <laughs> like for real. <laughs> for wow. real. Yeah. Oh, Rodney, man. But this just abs- If that shit doesn't blow your mind, the fact that his parole officer gave him special permission to travel <laughs> to New York, he is a fucking flight risk. He was yeah. on the FBI top ten fugitives. He's like, oh yeah, go yeah, go on, cool. yeah, visit some oh, friends, shit, yeah, dude. that's cool. I mean, honestly, they're very progressive in California. I guess. <laughs> now I asked my dad about this because I was talking to him, and I was like, because my dad was a parole officer in New York at the same time. And he said basically the 70s was the era of prison reform. We saw that with Attica. We talked about that with Tex. And states like California would have been the extreme of prison reform. Very progressive, lighter sentences, and it made it easier for inmates to be paroled. So that's pretty much what I would have figured. So that's something to consider, but then you also are like, Okay, so Alcala, he's on their radar. He's got a fucking record of fucking violent crimes, but he's not fucking getting any of the fucking medical help. Right. You know, so sure. if you're being so progressive out there and you want right. to, you know, these get people him actually can get some help, help, get him some fucking help. Exactly. Jesus I mean, Chris, at the pattern that Alcala is heading on at this point makes it obvious he's not going to be no, able to dude, stop. He's hitting that, he's hitting that shit where he's like, "I love this. I'm getting away with it. Oh, right. he's hitting it's it, cool. Shit. Fucking they they found his bodies and shit, so that makes him happy. I'm pretty sure because like, they, <laughs> right? Cool. They kind of don't know it's me yeah. as long as he's not getting caught and yeah, he's happy about what he's doing. He's going to keep going hard. Yeah, I mean, Joey, would you agree with what my dad was saying about this whole prisons at the time? And that definitely seems to be how it went down back then, and uh, right. the the whole attitude, and you know, <clears throat> I'm not going to say that it never happened again after that, but probably not to that extreme. I guess. No, I would agree. Attica was just like this huge right. news event that really opened some eyes, 
And, you know, I'm not saying that some of the things that they changed weren't legit, you know, because I know that that's not an easy thing to go through. But, you know, obviously they're there for a reason, but we don't need to be, you know, you know, inhumane about it. Probably like, you know, Black Dolphin might be a more recent one that you hear about the shit. But also, like, in my lifetime, I guess, uh, Guantanamo Bay. Right. Like that was a big fucking deal, you know, whenever they broke shit out about how shit was down there. Right. But. Right. Now, a week after he gets to New York, so he doesn't wait too long, no. uh, he kills a 23-year-old woman who was the daughter of uh, Ciro, which is a huge popular uh, Hollywood nightclub. And she's also the goddaughter of Sammy Davis Jr. and Dean Martin. It's crazy. She grew up in Manhattan and also in Hollywood. So she's like literally a millionaire's daughter. Um, and that's going to draw a lot of fucking attention, Joey. I yeah. mean, you know, it's like you're not killing these unknown prostitutes. No. This dude's killing like the daughter of like a millionaire who's owning nightclubs. I mean, the Dean Martin and Sammy Davis Jr. I mean, and those are the cases that, that honestly cause the most fear too in communities. Cause it's like, Oh, if that could happen to those people, well, it could happen. That's to us true. Sure. Yeah. That's yeah. a good point, man. Um, so that's going to just draw a lot of attention. Of course, the media is all over this shit, even though son of Sam was going on at the same time. Maybe not even though maybe in coordinates with the fact that that was going on. Yeah, people were fucking at a height of fucking awareness of this shit. Yeah, they're like, man, we got all these killers we can talk about. People are eating this shit up. Yeah, it's fucked up. Um, On her calendar, the girl that was uh, murdered, um, she had on her calendar his name uh, so that she was going to meet him. So they they knew definitely that that's where uh, she was going to meet Mr. John Berger. So. Um, her remains are found buried in the woods. And I thought this was crazy near the Rockefeller <laughs> estate. I mean, why in the fuck would you bury anything there? I mean, this is like a guarded estate. Like, why would you go anywhere so remotely close to there? So they get found. Fuck it. I guess. <laughs> it's just so fucking ballsy with this dude, you know? Um, this is in Westchester County, which is where my dad uh, worked when he worked at Bedford Hills Prison, uh, was in Westchester County. Um, and it's right over the New York line from Connecticut. So right there next to CK uh, would have been in Danbury on the other side of the line. Uh, so, you know, CK country over there. Hell yeah. This would have been when the son of Sam, like I said, was going on. Alcala is going to blend in. With the other killers just doing his thing. So uh, huge crime waves in New York. Blackouts. That was the summer in 78 of the blackouts yeah. where the, you know, it was terrible. Um, thankfully, I wasn't there. But uh, my grandparents both lived there and heard a lot about it. Um, 1978, he gets a job as a typesetter for the L.A. Times and it's amazing he got this job with the record of child molestation background of an checks, eight-year-old. Man. I guess checks. they I didn't mean, really Jesus. talk about background checks. No. Plus, there wasn't the uh, the sex offenders registry. No, there like wasn't. It is now either. Now, so. Well, but he was interviewed by the Hillside Strangler Task was, Force yeah. because he was a known sex yeah, offender. Well, that's what I'm saying. He still has his record, right? So if you look at his records, but it's not like. <laughs> 
back then you could hide from that shit <clears throat> a lot easier than nowadays where everything's a you know click of a button right. in the house and shit. Right. Yeah, it but just no, blows no. my mind. Yeah, though, the, the you know? fucking task force definitely fucking interviewed him. Oh yeah, and one of his victims, <clears throat> they considered a hillside. A hillside. Yeah, they were, victim, they're yeah. on the news like the thirteenth victim of the hill, right? And they're like, oh wait, we were wrong. <laughs> wrong, yeah. somebody else, wrong dude. Yeah. <laughs> so all this shit That's is going on up. at the same time. It's just so fucked up. It's really unbelievable. Um, and then he's bringing in nude pictures of women that he <laughs> was taking fucking, to show to his coworkers. Dude, not even just women, like girls. Oh, yeah. like, and he's like, oh, their mother asked me to take these pictures. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Why would you not do something right then and there? Right. Dude? Like, right. <clears throat> no, the mother did not ask you to take that picture. What yeah, the and they interviewed like some of these coworkers, and they were just like, well, you know, he was kind of weird, but, you know, that was him. You know, I'm like, no, I don't fucking think so. No. Somebody's showing me pictures of little kids naked. I'm fucking calling somebody. <laughs> right. No, I mean, that's ain't... fucked up. <laughs> no, <laughs> fuck that. Yeah, that's just fucking nuts. Um, you know, you think about how many serial killers, though, were killing in 1978, Chris and Joey. Gacy, <laughs> the Hillside Stranglers, Son of Sam, all those freeway killers in California. Yeah. And many, many more. Peter Vronsky would dub it, of course, the golden age of serial killers. He's right the fuck on with that. A lot of them going down, I mean, man. BTK was back then, too, really. That's true, like, man. I mean, yeah, it's really endless when you start thinking about yeah. all of them. It's unbelievable. It? Uh, Manson, you know, in 69, it just rolled fucking right through, man. Yeah. Like, pretty fucked Ramirez. up. There were a few. Because fucking Tool and... Uh, Lucas would have been through the 70s, too. Yeah. But down south more. more. Right. <laughs> right. So, Chris, I saw they didn't consider they didn't consider him a suspect for the Hillside Strangler murders after, you know, they interviewed him. But he winds up getting busted, as you said, smoking some dope <laughs> with some little girl, man. What the fuck is the deal with that? Fucking, it was the day California wasn't so progressive with the weed back then. They're like fucking hippies taking your weed. Don't care. <laughs> but yeah, so they busted him for that. So he got yeah. some time for, for that offense. So he went back to jail for weed, not what they were really looking for. So, right, right. Now, Joey, it was at this time Alcala uh, begins convincing young men and women he's a fashion photographer. He needed stuff for his portfolio. And we've been talking about this kind of on and off, but obviously a good way for him to make that connection. Oh, it absolutely is. I mean, it, you got to you're a fucking killer and you make yourself a fucking scrapbook, fucking legit with the fucking consent <laughs> of these people. Right. You can sit there and flip through and be like, ah, maybe I'll kill this one. Uh, well, I'm going to jack off on this picture real fast. <laughs> right. Uh, and like, yeah, I mean, that's fucking crazy as shit. But it is. The fact is that he did use that to lure, you know, some of his victims. Right. Yeah, I mean, he definitely used that photography angle, which for him was a good one. Uh, one of the women he photographed would later say she thought it was a bit weird, but she had never modeled before and didn't really know what to think. Uh, later, when Alcala's busted for sure, the police find a bunch of photographs in a rented storage locker. A bunch. A bunch. <laughs> thousands. We're going to get to that later. But. He was doing this, and you have to think, you know, he's playing that angle. And back from the Crazy Mike days, in low 12, he was able to get some fucked up pictures out of women. Dude, very for real. willingly. I don't know how, but no. Damn. 
Yeah, he used to hand me the camera at the end of the night. I'm just like, Jesus Christ, where the fuck was I when this was going on? You know, and then there's a picture of me on stage and then another picture like that. And so it's like while we were playing, a lot of times right. he was doing this shit. So, um, you know, it's just nuts. But Chris, didn't the Boston Strangler, what was his angle with the, was it pictures or Joey, didn't you just maybe mention something about he said that he was for a modeling? The Boston Strangler, what I remember with him was the green man routine where he would tell women that he worked for, maybe it was a modeling agency, but it wasn't, I don't think it was pictures, but he would size them up. He would fucking measure them oh, and like yes. fucking yeah, get them. That's right. Oh no, but he would get them to pose. No, you're right. Because he would get fucking, he was like, oh, well, uh, I'll give you this much money for semi nude. Right. They're trying to get pictures of housewives in the, in the raw, like right. that's the angle. And you'd get all the way up to, you know, a hundred dollars. If you pose naked, I remember like in the fucking, uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's fucking, uh, what's his name? Browski. I think it's his fucking movie about it. But anyway, they, they're talking about the green man thing. The way they say it's just fucking funny, but, uh, right. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was him. So yeah, with the photographs and yeah, just very, very interesting to do that. You know, as you said, most women are going to be just, and men too, you know, would be totally like, wow, that's awesome. You know? Yeah, sure. Take my picture, whatever. Um, apparently had a portfolio of nothing but teenage boys and girls naked in sexually explicit positions. You know, one that we ain't talked about, and I'm pretty surprised that What's none that? of us have brought up is Dahmer because he was oh, definitely about photographing them, and he used that like, hey, can I get some pictures, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was yeah. definitely about it. Yeah, so I forgot about Dahmer with the pictures. It didn't pop in my head either. Totally yeah, right. that's crazy. 1979, he drugs a 15-year-old girl, rapes her. Uh, when she's posing for pictures. So I'm guessing there's a lot more of this since rape victims often don't come forward, you know, right. for various reasons. Especially back then. Yeah, shame, guilt, um, you know, and a sort of thing that society tends to place on the victims of the rape, which is fucked up. Uh, it's gotten better, but at this time, you know, again, it would have been a tough thing to come forward about even now. Right. You know? Yeah. So, my fault. Blah, blah, no one. Yeah, exactly. Um, I bet there are dozens more of these we don't know about. I'm not sure about murders, but I think definitely with the rapes. This guy just cannot stop. Joey, 1978, Rodney Alcala would forever become known for an appearance on a very popular dating game. Yeah. What was the deal with that, man? I mean, he gets, you know, he gets chosen to be on this game show. Uh, it's like you said, after his criminal history, after his criminal history, it's called the dating game. Right. And, uh, you know, he's one of, you know, it's, it's the fucking classic fucking setup It's it's the girl comes in and there's three bachelors or three suitors or whatever you want. Suitor number one. If we were to make whoopee, but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, and then she asks some questions and then she decides if she wants to go on a date when that's like the premise of this thing. Right. So she's talking and while she's talking to Alcala, like he's charming the shit out of her while he's With up there. Fucked right. up shit. Yeah. Now. Yeah. But yeah, the things that they're saying, like Chris was saying, like they're joking about like dirty old men and shit like that. And like, uh, I can't remember exactly what it was. I fucking wrote. Oh, we're, we're, uh, 
He's like, yeah, we'll go out and have a great time, yada, yada, yada. And she's like, oh, what's wrong with the morning or the afternoon? Because the nighttime right. is He's the like, best. they're okay, but nighttime's when it gets really, uh, really good, you know? Yeah, yeah. I was like, what are you talking Dude, about? The fucking other yeah. one, she's like, I'm a fucking producer or whatever, and yeah. I'm inviting you for a private scene. You're yeah. a dirty old man. You're a dirty and he's just old like, man. Get over here. Yeah. Oh. It's like, what the fuck, bro? She, she's like, if you were a fruit, what would you be or whatever? Yeah, yeah. He's like, a banana. A banana. Right. Peel me. Peel me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like, you know, the sexual Indian ad knows it was yeah, fucking intense. Really bad. So he goes back and, like, the, the other contestants, like, I, I, I don't know if, like, the, the other females had met him or whatnot, but they were saying that he was kind of creepy or well, whatever. Well, even one of the other bachelor suiters, yeah, whatever. Yeah, the that's what I was saying. talking he was about, like, yeah. He yeah. was even like, no, that dude was fucking weird. And then the one weird. that, He's you know, one of the documentaries. I yeah, saw they him. interviewed him, yeah. and he was like, yeah, he was really creeping us out. And, and the, and, one, the and, one that he was on, you know, the show that he was doing right then, she chose him. Right. And she goes back and, you know, meets him backstage, and then she comes back, and she's like, she declines the date. Like, right. I ain't even doing no, that. No, she's yet. like, that dude's weird. Yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, very good call. <laughs> but he was on the dating game, he and he was, he was he a was. character, you know? And I honestly thought when I had heard of him, as the dating game killer, I assumed that the victim was one that he, that got, he got in the, the game, game with, you know? right? So that would have made it that much more sensational. But I'm glad she got, you know, had the good sense to not go with that motherfucker. Right, it's like, sure. oh, this guy's not cool. Yeah, I mean that that guy that they interviewed though, he was pretty emphatic about. Yeah. Yeah, he was really creeping us out. He wasn't laughing at like the things we were laughing at, and then he was bringing up. Stuff that was just really inappropriate in the conversation. (laughs) That's how he laughed out of nowhere, just fucking pointlessly. (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) Like, this dude. Yeah, get the fuck out of here. Remember that we were talking about the giggler? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that dude. Yeah, I actually watched the, it was a it was a podcast. <laughs> yeah. on YouTube about it. Was him, it yeah. pretty classic? Oh yeah, yeah. it's worthy. Yeah, <laughs> it's worthy. So um, I don't know. I think uh, you know that they said that he is known to have killed three victims right after that appearance on the dating game, and some of the profilers felt that it was that rejection of the woman on the dating game that really pushed him. Chris, what do you think about that? You think that that had something to do with it? Was that no, like a he didn't care. I don't think that I don't think the rejection of the dating game had anything. I to feel do. like that was a convenient narrative to use for Yeah, the, right. Like you look know, at me. Like, like, yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's an interesting. I was just curious what you guys thought about. Yeah, like the the fact that Gacy was a clown was such a small part, really, in his life compared to like the murders and all right. that. But that was a weird thing he out. did, so it was easy to fucking play on it. Sure. And Rodney Alcala, it's like he's the dating game killer. Oh man, that woman is the one that right. you know made him snap. And it's like yeah, right. probably I, yeah, not, but that, that's right. cool though. Yeah, that is that is in a movie that would be a cool plot line, right? Exactly. <laughs> Uh, June of 1979. I mean, some of this shit, how he gets away with shit is kind of like him. No, it's it almost up. is, yeah. man. No, he should have been locked up way before this. So. Right. June 1979, Alcala starts up again. He abducts a 12-year-old girl on her way to ballet class in Huntington Beach, California. Her body's found 12 days later in the Los Angeles foothills. Uh, friends of hers told police that a man approached them about taking pictures 
And that when they showed uh, Alcala's picture, she's like, yep, that that was was him. Yeah, it was uh, the neighbor. Or the daughter's... The girl who got abducted, abducted, it was her friend's neighbor that saw him on the beach and like... Right. She's like, something weird about that. Walked up and said, basically, hey, what are you girls doing? And Alcala just like fucking walked away yeah, didn't acknowledge right. anything he just right. like said nope i'm out of this situation yeah he wasn't and, gonna talk to chris hansen man no no hell no he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny but he's got the long curly hair and you know he would have definitely been memorable if, oh, if you saw fucking, him. pick yeah. him out of a fucking police lineup you don't even gotta go in the room right You're like oh it's that weird motherfucker <laughs> exactly. right. the one that laughs like really oddly yeah um so they go to his mother's house. They find a receipt of his at her at his mother's house for a storage locker in Seattle. That's the one I mentioned earlier, but it's in that locker they find some earrings that belong to a 12-year-old girl from the the girl from Huntington Beach. And on one of the docs I watched, they used DNA to later pin a murder on him from another pair of earrings for a different victim altogether. So the DNA on the earrings, wound up nailing him with two uh, victims. Um, these earrings are obviously gold balls, and these are pearls, and those are obviously not the same earrings. That, that's the shit he was talking about for his defense while he was up there. Yeah, and he yeah. was trying to say that the earrings he wore on the dating yeah, game were yeah. those yeah. earrings, yeah. so they were his. <laughs> well, what if they it were, then so- how did their DNA get on right. them, dumbass? You know? There's so many earrings, though. So That's the fucking... With all, where that's where they found all the pictures and everything yeah. was in yeah. that storage right. unit. Just like, holy shit. Yeah, that was a fucking treasure trove of stuff. Now, Joey Alcala might have been caught much quicker, of course, if DNA was around when he was committing his crimes. Um, and it would come back to haunt him fucking later, though. Yeah, <clears throat> DNA wasn't helping, you know, catch anybody too much back then. But as it progressed, as we saw with the science, uh, they were able to go back and make some hellified connections. And Alcala was just... I mean, if he's following that shit at all, like while he's locked up, you just gotta be sweating bullets. Like, right? Oh god, Fuck, yeah. all these crimes that were investigated, <laughs> right? I thought I got away with. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I was I lived at Huntington Beach for a while, but I didn't know like about Alcala being out there and doing this shit. So you're not in the storage locker. One no, of the but I wish that you know if I'd been out there and looked into it, then I would have gone to a couple of spots and stuff. You know, right? Uh, oh, sure. Where he lived sure. or all that shit. Right. But, right. Man, right. I never fucking realized that. No, was. I mean it's yeah, I wouldn't have known either. Uh, Alcala's arrested in July of '79 and convicted of that murder. Um, he's sentenced to death, but that's overturned. Because the jury was informed of his prior Which sex crime. You think they should need to know that yeah, shit. Yeah, isn't though, that right? a good fucking thing to be told if you're a fucking juror? I mean, I don't know. Like, understand hey, by the way, that. this guy's priors is right? right here, fucking. Yeah, I mean, that's like if you're being tried for bank robbery and you have other bank robberies in your past, that yeah. would be a good thing. Like, so oh. these people know you've been doing this repeatedly, you know? Right. I just don't understand it, but I guess the um, the argument the other way would be that that doesn't slant their judgment of right. how you stand on the 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 charge you're being charged with. The only know? thing I can think is that it might have been easier to do back then, you know, than it is now or whatever. But possibly if he legally had his records sealed or expunged, 
you know? Oh, and sure. then somebody There's brought that. it up. That's the only way they I can really think about it. And the then book. somebody brings it up. So now they hear about it. Yeah. And he's like, no, I'm legally, that shit should never come up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm So that's not the sure. only way I can see that. But. Yeah, I'm just not sure with it, you know? Um, and it just adds to this whole fucked up thing about this case. Uh, 1986, uh, he was once again convicted of the murder, even without the uh, prior record being brought up. But then the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, they are known, they have more overturned verdicts in that court than any other court in the country. Uh, They are known for being very controversial. They fucking overturn it because one witness was not allowed to corroborate Alcala's claim that the cop that found the body was being hypnotized by the police. I mean, Chris... Are you fucking kidding me with this shit? I mean... How do you overturn an entire trial because of that? I did, Like I said, smooth talker, I guess, dude, because <laughs> I don't... I can't comprehend it, dude. Like, for real. Even when yeah. I was, like, listening to the book and shit, I'm just like, wait, it's what fucking... They train the cops to goddamn hypnotize motherfuckers to get... <laughs> False statements? I don't yeah. think that happens, dude. <laughs> no. Like, what the fuck? No. So while Alcala's uh, rotting away on death row in San Quentin, in 2003, <coughs> Orange County is preparing for their third prosecution of this piece of shit. They find that he's linked by DNA to two rape and murder victims in Los Angeles. Really nasty stuff. There were fucking hammers found at these murder scenes that he beat him with. Oh, dude, they were lots brutal. of blood. No, they were brutal. Fucking. Yeah, the faces are like unrecognizable. Like that's how bad he fucked him up. So he is going into berserker mode here. Um, he fought to having his DNA taken, of course. <laughs> He's like, no, you will not have this. <laughs> but they're like, yes, we will. We're when it became law it. in California for felons to be you know, to have been swabbed or whatever. A year later, in 2004, Alcala's linked to four more rape and murders uh, with DNA that he left behind. There were cases in New York as well, as we know. And this shit is coming back on his fucking stupid ass. Now, Joey, I saw one of the Alcala victims was originally thought to have been one of the Hillside Strangler. We talked about that. I think it was one of his first victims. I think so, too. And this reminds me a little bit of the Grim Sleeper with all these serial killers working at the same yeah. time. I mean, that's just... That's fucked up. I mean, you got fucking... You got to break your fucking uh, task force into like, okay, you're the highway killers task force. Right? <laughs> you guys are the Hillside killers. You guys are you the guys Sunset the ghetto, killers. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, there was a lot of shit it's going on up. back then, and you know, and I mean, you got all these fucking bodies popping up, and you're having a hard time fucking dealing with it. Back then, especially like out there, media was probably fucking a goddamn nightmare too for all these cops. Oh my cops. god, yeah, because they're everywhere, fucking talking about all this shit on on all the scenes. Yeah. You know oh yeah, I mean, there's so much killing going on, but it's so, so crazy. Much how it's all going on simultaneously. Yeah. These cops just, just overwhelmed. I read that Alcala's victims posed in were posed, uh, the bodies were posed in carefully chosen positions. Like, for real, like bad. Yeah. The one, though, I can't remember which one, who it was, but she was like posed badly in the laundry room of her apartment building. 
like the first dude that opened the door was like, oh, fuck. Like yeah. in explicit shit. Yeah, really fucked up. I was listening to the book and they explained everything. I'm just like, oh, shit, dude. Like, Wow. Yeah, I'm not going to get into it, but it was bad. Yeah, that's fucked up. And, you know, there's probably dozens more we don't know um, because of you know the way he just was not able to stop. It was just continually doing it. So I'm sure there was a lot more here. Now, as we mentioned, he wrote a book while he was locked up the first and se- between the first and second trials called You, the Jury. And I looked for it in a few places. I didn't find it. It was self-published, so it could have been a very limited printing. And, you know, who knows? I'm sure you could find it somewhere, but probably on a murderbilia site or something maybe i'm not really yeah, sure know. but I'm pretty uh, sure it was on audible i'm not that that would be a good thing to check because i would be interested to know if that that is there because i might listen to that uh he claims he was innocent of the huntington beach murder and he was finally convicted uh in the third trial in 2003 so thank fucking god uh they tried him for all five murders at once which he fought that but lost Uh, to the California Supreme Court who let them proceed. So that was good. Just saves having to do five fucking six trials. Get it all done. Yeah, just get it fucking done. Um, Chris Alcala decides he wants to be his own attorney, though. That's usually not a good idea. (laughs) No, that's what I said. Like, you're fucking dumb. There is a saying, right? It's basically like, any man who represents himself as a fool for a client or whatever. Right. That's true. Like, yeah. That's very like, true. Holy dude. shit. No. Right. But yeah, don't do that. You're no. never going to win. <laughs> no. Dude, it fucking, in the trial and everything too. I felt sorry for the the girl that he got caught. I Her mom. Cause he had to fucking physically be right in front of her yeah. cross examining and shit. Oh yeah. Representing himself. She had and, to like keep it fucking. She, they said she brought a gun. Yeah. Oh, she was wow. going to shoot him. Right. Yeah. Like in her fucking purse the whole time. Like, yeah, yeah no. Oh, like damn. every day, like brought it and brought it. And she just sat there like it's in, it's fucking crazy, dude. Wow. And then she had to sit that. on the stand while he's questioning her as a lawyer. And that, that shit would fuck you up, dude. And then when he's cross-examining himself, he like used two yeah. different voices yeah. and shit. Talking. Really? Yeah, dude. He's like using two different voices. Like, dude, two di- like for real, dude. Oh my god! Like, he's cross-examining himself as two different people. It's really fucking. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> Joey, I saw that he played the Arlo Guthrie song "Alice's Restaurant" in his closing argument. What the fuck? I mean, it's an eighteen-minute Vietnam War protest, right? Arlo Guthrie. I mean, why didn't Alice's he play restaurant. some fucking gourmonger, man? Or <clears throat> right, that would have been awesome. But he, uh, you know, they gave him the death penalty, and he told them, he was like, by assigning me the death penalty, you become a wannabe killer in waiting. Uh, that's what he told the jurors, and then he plays <laughs> that. And the song, like, if you haven't heard it, it's about this dude who's getting drafted, and he's, like, talking to the psychiatrist. Talking like, about guts and shit. Right. And one part it says, shrink, I want to kill. I mean, I want to, I want to kill, kill. I want to, I want to see, I want to see blood and gore and guts and veins in my teeth. I mean, kill, 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 kill. And that was like part of the lyrics. Wow. And yeah. So he's like jamming this for them, telling them that, <laughs> I didn't kill that, them, that but... they're no better than he is, is what he's basically saying. Right. But at the same time, it's like, bro, you killed like probably 10 plus people. Right. In brutal ass ways, right? So I don't know. It's, yeah, it's, it's fucked up. It's different. Yeah. 
because it's not war, I guess. But yeah. It, but yeah, it's like, bro. Like, did he go to war? No. No. That's what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm getting at. Like, you're trying to use this, motherfucker. Right. You never made it over there, so right. that's not yours, you too. You had a nervous breakdown and yeah. ran home to your mom. The, the, right. the Vietnam vet that comes back and, you know, strangles his children and kills yeah. his fucking mom. Right. Then he can play that song, and you know what right. I'm saying? Right. I don't know. That's no, I hear up. you, dude. I hear you. <laughs> I saw that he played the the jury part of his appearance on the dating game to prove the earrings were his. And you couldn't even see his ears because his hair was so fucking long. Right. Yeah. I mean, they obviously didn't find him very convincing because he's found guilty on all five counts. So that was good. And he looks all whacked out with his crazy hair now totally gray. Of course, he's dead now. But in some of the later stuff you see of him, he looks yeah. fucking whacked. Um, and in a surprise, the very first victim, Tali Shapiro, uh, she testified during the penalty phase of his trial. So good for her. That, that took a lot of courage. I'm sure. Uh, the defense team claimed his mental health issues were the reason that Alcala claimed to not have any memory of the crimes because he never admits to anything. No, no, but he, he, Just knew to shut the fuck up. That's all it was. Yeah, he was a smart guy, so he knew, yeah, don't say anything. March of 2010, he's sentenced to death for the third time. This time it holds up. uh, But in California, just like here in Illinois, there is no death penalty. So he rotted away on death row for 21 years before he dies of natural causes. A few months ago. Yeah, just in July of 2021. So, yeah, just a few months back. Uh, Chris, I mentioned all the photographs they found in the storage. Now, they released yeah. some, right? Yeah, they, they released because uh, they were unknown pictures. And it's Rodney Alcala with all his bullshit. So they made a whole website thing after, like after the internet, obviously. But even yeah, before, 120 they re- of released the pictures. the pictures. 120 pictures. And girls came up and said, like, hey, yeah, I was 21. Accosted. And there was also family members like, that's my daughter or whatever. Right. I haven't seen her in forever, but yeah. So it helped. And they're still actually online right now. You can look up and see the ones that are just still there. Yeah, you can. I don't know why they haven't released all of them. I'm sure some are explicit, but they could still release the others because uh, there's like 900 more. Uh, but yeah, 21 women came forward after they released those 120 pictures. So that's, that's unbelievable. Uh, this dude is a total piece of shit. And I would say there are a lot more victims we don't know about. Um, In 2012, he's extradited back to New York to face trials for his two victims there. Um, He's given time in New York, but he winds up getting sent back to California so he can appeal the death sentence. Uh, There were bones of a woman and an infant found in Wyoming. And this one documentary I watched, it was ABC and it was a multi-part uh, they spent a lot of time in the beginning talking about this case because there was a girl who was pregnant who was hitchhiking in Wyoming, and they think that he abducted her and killed her and then ditched her, and then they found the body, the bones of her and the infant in the same place. That's, That's fucked, fucked up. up. So they're pretty sure it was him. Uh, there's also police in Seattle that have him as a person of interest in the abduction of two teenagers 
And then there were cases in New Hampshire, which is where he was doing his summer camp uh, uh, shit. Wyoming, just mentioned that one. And also in San Francisco, he is all over the fucking place doing this shit. I don't. I I definitely believe he's a bigger serial killer than we know of. Oh yeah, I, have uh, no I really don't doubt. Yeah. He just started getting kind of lazy. Yeah, and uh, you know, just rule of law of averages, you're going to get caught eventually. So there's probably a lot of them he didn't get caught for. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if down the road with DNA and these genealogy websites and stuff that they wind up pinning some more on Alcala. We'll be doing a brutal rewind on this fool at some point i'm sure uh he was very smart he was a good looking guy good talker professional fucking bullshitter he should have become a politician he probably <laughs> would have got a lot further in life could have kept uh, raping and killing too uh, as a politician you know you get I, away I mean, with all shit, kinds of that shit. shit happens too fuck that's yeah. what bundy was hoping for right it's like i can't life. wait till i'm fucking <laughs> then i can just do this anything uh, guys it. you want to add to old rodney alcala i'm nah. nah. now chris you listened to the audiobook which one was the is called the dating game killer okay uh it's it was really good, actually. A lot of stuff in there. I'm obviously not very articulate, but... No, that's but, cool. No, I listened but to it. It was good. pretty interesting. There's a lot of fucking shit in there, dude. Like, it's good. Good, good. I watched a couple of good documentaries. Uh, World's Most Evil Killers was really good uh, on YouTube. I watched that. And then the ABC special was also on YouTube in multiple parts, but that was really good. Uh, I think it was called The Dating Game Killer as well. Um, also Murderpedia is good. Um, got a few things off Wikipedia, but I always try to check those, especially with Wikipedia. Um, a few different articles I read in the LA times and New York times. So there is quite a bit out there on him, even though he's not one of the big names when it comes to true crime. So, so the audiobook I listened to is called the dating game killer. The true story of a TV dating show, a violent sociopath, and a series of brutal murders, murders, and it's by Stella Stans. Cool. So, that, yeah, right. it was real good. Awesome, awesome. Um, and if you're interested now, Kala, you know, Chris just mentioned that audio book. There's podcasts, which I didn't even have time to get into that with all the other stuff I did with this case. So there's a lot of stuff out there if you're interested in him. So now next week we're going to be taking the week off. I'm going to be out of town for Thanksgiving um i've got uh i've got some uh, thanksgiving turkey to consume like the rest of us so that'll be good i'm going to chicago you're going to chicago oh yeah there's a big show i saw right oh well yeah i'm going to chicago i'll talk about that in metal for this weekend but okay i'm going up there for thanksgiving this is my sister uh <clears throat> they live up there and they're hosting thanksgiving for us this year. oh very cool but i haven't been up to see your new house so i'm kind of stoked on that that is cool. And it's like suburbs, so I don't have to go into the city. That's even Word. better. That's even better. Chris, you having the Shawback uh, typical? I'm mimosas gonna, in the morning? Probably going to spatch cock a turkey. Yeah. And fucking mimosas, probably. Fuck yeah, yeah I mean, dude. Why would you not have mimosas? <laughs> I even drank mimosas dude, with yeah, you. Yeah, I know. That, that was awesome. Yeah. You can't remember that Thanksgiving? Just like, fuck yeah, we're just going to hang out, eat food. Drink mimosas. Hell yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so we will be off. But in lieu of us being here, we got the 41-minute Rob Dukes interview. So yeah. that'll be cool. 
Uh, that goes live the day before Thanksgiving. So I did it a day early on Wednesday next week. You get that. And then we're going to come back with a zinger. Oh, man, we got a good one the week after that. <laughs> Another gift from Page of Day, Joey. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Vince Lee, man. For the first time, like, we'll obviously talk about in the episode and stuff, but <clears throat> I was seeing some other shit about him, and I had never watched the uh, the the witness accounts from the other people on the bus. Oh, God. And their interviews and shit. Oh, brutal, man. <clears throat> yeah, just, like, fucking, like, you were there. Like The dude right, that was right in front of him yeah, that could have yeah. been killed very easily was fucked up. Yeah, no, that's fucking nuts. Really, really fucked so up. Vince Lee, yeah, I'm yeah. stoked to do this one. Yeah, he kills a passenger on a bus and then cannibalizes him for hours <laughs> while the while cops, the cops have the bus outside. surrounded. Like, what dude, the fuck? Shoot this motherfucker. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine the family had to just be horrified by this. Um, and we've got a guy that listens to the show, Shane, from up in Canada, from up in Canada that had been all about this when we mentioned it. So we're going to get him on Messenger, and he's going to do the segment with us. So Fucking that'll right, be fun. Dude. Get Shane in here talking some Vince Lee. Hell yeah. L.I. <laughs> Vince Lee. If you want to Google that shit while you're waiting, <laughs> there's some fucked up shit out there about this cannibalistic motherfucker. So... Shane's fired up. He took some pictures of the site where it happened. There's like a memorial there. Yeah. I'll post them on Facebook yeah. so you guys can see that. That was cool of him to do that. So, Joey, speaking of page a day, you got any for us tonight? Yeah, I got a couple of them. All right. uh, I only got two of them, but that's because uh, they did a long... They did a pretty big one on the Osage Massacre. Yeah. Which we had just done that. We so, did, yeah. So I didn't feel like I had to re-explain that, but go yeah. listen to our episode about the Osage uh, Indian tribe and yeah. what yeah, they went through. <clears throat> so anyway, Paige today, I got a couple of them, though. I got two of them. So October 2008, there's a 25-year-old named Anthony Garcia. Now, he's a, uh, a Rivera 13. Andy Garcia? Huh? Andy Garcia? No. <laughs> Jerry Garcia. <laughs> Barry Garcia. Cherry Garcia. <laughs> but Anthony Garcia. So he's a Rivera 13 gang member. Now, he's arrested and charged with the January 2004 murder of John Juarez. So he avoids the capture of the crime for four years. And he got arrested on other charges and shit. And each time he's arrested, you know what I'm saying, they take pictures of his tattoos. Right, right. They, scars, marks, and tattoos. You show them all that. But your tattoos, for sure, like, they love that. That's like an easy identification for criminals oh, yeah. and shit. So, uh, you know, and they were changing, too, because he was an active gang member. So, like, they're always doing different shit, you know what I'm saying? So, after a 2008 arrest for drunk driving, uh, the Detective Sergeant Kevin Lloyd, he sees the detailed tattoo on Garcia's chest and connects it with the John Juarez murder that they, you know, hadn't yet solved. So, the tattoo that's on this guy's chest, it's a detailed picture of the crime scene basically get the fuck out it of has here. it has mr <laughs> it has mr ed's wow. liquor store in pico rivera california like the liquor store is on his chest with john juarez is mr peanut and that's because the peanut's a common symbol of the rival gang in the area they're in get so like that's him as the peanut and then uh there's a an anthropomorphic helicopter is seen spraying bullets into the Mr. Peanut, and Garcia's nickname in Rivera 13 is Chopper. So 
the whole thing is like him killing this oh motherfucker tattooed on his chest. On his so Holy the Los Angeles shit. police officers and the gang experts, they say that that was probably the first time that a little de- literal depiction of a crime was found tattooed on a criminal. Wow. They called it a nonverbal confession, and he got 65 years for the murder. Oh, my God. God what is he? That's fucked up. That's though, fucked right? up. Page of day. All right. Uh, God damn. So like I said, I only got two of them this time, but uh, we're going to talk about Jennifer and Sarah Hart. Now, this one's a fucked up one, too. And I knew about this case, and I really fucking liked it. So I even added a little more research just a little, since I only had a couple of them. But, so Jennifer and Sarah Hart, that's this married couple. Uh, oh, the Hart's. Yes. Oh, yeah, oh, dude. Yeah. yeah, this is brutal. Oh, yeah. yeah, super fucking brutal. So they're a married couple who adopted two sets of three black siblings to raise them in a, quote, socially conscious atmosphere that focused on love and acceptance. Yeah. That, that's their whole fucking thing. Okay. So they meet in college in South Dakota, and they fell in love, and eventually they came out as lesbians, and they got married. Like, right. legally, they, yeah, were, yeah. they were married. In 2004, they took in a 15-year-old foster daughter, and they were living in Minnesota. And they openly complained about this girl to their coworkers and everything else, like talking about how horrible she was. Right. And one day, they drive they drive her to a therapist's office, and they drop her off there, and then never pick her up. So, like, they just fucking oh my unload dude. this girl. No, dude, this story's fucked, yeah. dude. So then in 2006, they take in three siblings from Texas, age 7, 4, and 2, Two years later, in 2008, they take in three more siblings from Texas, age five, four, and three. So they've got six kids, two from two different fa- or three from two different families. Right. So in 2008, one of the daughters goes to school and she has a bruise that's on her arm, and the, you know the teachers ask her about it. And she says that she got it from being whipped with a belt. But no charges were ever filed for that. Um, In 2010, another child shows signs of abuse. And they told investigators that they had held her head under cold water. And that they had, like, punched her in the back of the head and shit. Um, I don't even know what that was for, but... Obviously, fucking nothing warranted that. Nothing at all. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I know. Uh, it was because they thought that she had stole a penny. Oh, yeah. Penny. Right, yeah. Yes, yeah, yes. exactly. A, they found a penny in her pocket, and they thought that she had stole a penny. A penny, so oh they punished her. So anyway, so the police come this time. They interview all the children. Uh, they told the cops that they were often spanked. They were uh, underfed. Uh, they were grounded a lot. You know what I'm saying? And it sounds like parent shit, but at the same time, when all the kids are like, no, it's bad. Yeah. Like, so Sarah takes the blame for it, and she gets misdemeanor domestic assault, and she's sentenced to one-year probation to community service. So now they're like, fuck this. They pull all the kids from school, completely isolating them and homeschooling them. In 2013, they moved Jesus. to Portland, Oregon. And they're raising goats and chickens and all that shit. And they're like the picture of the super progressive family in the U.S. Right. Two lesbian married women with six black children. So they start attending all these music fests and everything else. And their kids are always singing. They're always singing and dancing. And like everybody gets to know them. But Hanging a lot of people would say, yeah, they're freaking out. They're the kids are slaying like free hugs and signs and yeah, shit. Yeah, but they and said like, that like the kids like they would be like that, especially like for pictures and all like, that. But then perfect. otherwise, they're fucking robotic and like yeah. fucking 
not emotional and shit. Wow. It was weird. But they, so they were like, everybody saw them and they're all, you know, super hyped up. They called their fucking uh, family, the heart tribe. Um, she gets Sarah, she gets real or Jen. I'm sorry. She gets real big into the social media aspect of everything. Posted everything online. Like and showing what the kids like, are doing. Right. This is what this, like, you know, wow. shit should be doing. Uh, and then her one son, Devante, he becomes nationally recognized in December 2014 at a BLM protest where he's crying and giving a hug to a white police officer. And, like, that became the poster for all that movement. And so this is right after Ferguson. Like, this is why this came out. Okay. So they got this picture that's, like, super inspirational. You know what I'm saying? It's like a really big fucking deal. And he became like the poster child. Like Chris said, they, they would, especially Devante, they would show him and he would have a sign that said free hugs. And then he would go around and give people hugs. And like, they were trying to promote all this love and unity. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, they're fucking. So they moved to rural Washington and they've got these neighbors. And, uh, one day the neighbors, they're called the DeKalb's. They, they see this girl, Hannah, you know, one of the daughters from next door. She's over there knocking on their door, and she's like, I just, you know, jumped out of uh, the second floor window. Can you hide me and not tell them where I'm at? Oh, my God. And she claimed that she didn't want to go back and that they were racist and that they were abusive. Uh, she was missing both her front teeth. Jen comes over, she gets her, brings her home. The next morning, they all eight go back to the DeKalb's house and tell them, we're sorry, and they fucking had to give an apology. Hannah hands them a note that she hand wrote that said, I was lying and I was acting out. And Jen said it's because they were, quote, drug babies. So they were, had... Right, using the racist Right, saying saying that they could act out because, you know, they had it in them already. Oh, boy. So they give her this fucking note saying, you know, that, oh, I was lying, I was looking for attention, I'm sorry. The lady wants to talk to her alone, the girl Hannah. they won't let her. Jen's like, no, we do everything as a family. And fucking, so, you know, that's the way that one went. Um, But then, uh, like a month or two later, then that Devante boy, he comes over back to the guy and he was like, can I get some food? You know, he's like begging for food. He's like, but don't tell my parents. And he like wrote him a wish list of food that he could give to him and his fucking siblings. And he was like, if you could just put it over there by the fence where my parents can't see it. And they were like, what the fuck? So they wow. call the fucking the cops about it. You that know what I'm saying? Dude, it and they report good. them, uh, but no follow-up actions taken. It's crazy. Like Unreal. I man. know. Uh so but by now they know that fucking they're kind of hot where they're at. They've been moving around, you know what I'm saying? So the next day after this, like after uh uh Devonde goes Devonde goes over there, right. The next day, they fucking wake up the DeKalb's, the neighbors, and they notice that the GMC Yukon's not there. You know what I'm saying? So where they found it was off Highway 1 in California. Now Jen's driving. They're going down fucking uh, to California. Just uh, First thought was that they were just getting the hell out of where they were at because the heat was too hot. So she pulls off on a gravel turnout and stops 70 feet from a cliff. She then accelerates the car to 90 miles per hour. She never touched the brakes. Like, they got the fucking records off the computer. Never touched the brakes. Drove them off a 100-foot cliff. Killed them all. Wow. Uh, They found, I think, five of the eight instantly. 
they found Hannah, I think, a couple weeks later. And I think to this day, they never, ever found Devontae's body. Uh, because probably out to sea or whatever. Right, right. But they said uh, Jen's, her autopsy, she was intoxicated over the legal limit. And Sarah and at least two of the children had antihistamines in their system so they could be drowsy. But... Wow. No, that, yeah, the heart that heart story. I listened to a whole podcast based oh, yeah. on that for a while, dude. The hearts. Yeah, that story's yeah. fucked, dude. Yeah, that might be an interesting one to dig no, into. No, that was brutal. So sure. that was page a day. So it was just yeah. those two, but page a day. The hearts was a long one, and then like I said, they had the Osage. So go listen to that one. Yeah, the Osage Indian yeah. episode we did. Uh, Osage murders. Uh, I don't remember the number, but it wasn't that long ago. It wasn't. I was going to look it up so I could have that info. Within the last year, we did that one. All right. Well, I think, guys, we've done our fair share of murder tonight. I think it's time to crank this shit the fuck up and talk some heavy metal. So, Joey, what the fuck do we need to do? Well, Pete, you need to say it in the form of a question. So, what is Let's Get Our Metal On? Just because CK has passed on, he's not done educating the masses. CK will forever be the great metal motherfucker. We're here to stomp poser ass and eradicate the planet of their kind. CK has passed the torch to us, and we will forge the fuck on. In CK's name, we will bestow metal knowledge upon all of you. Yeah, this is always going to be done in the memory of CK. Utmost respect to him as the great metal motherfucker and our friend. So long live the great metal motherfucker, hopefully in our podcast here. Now, speaking of CK, we all know how big of a music collection this guy had. Oh, dude. (laughs) Oh, my God. His wife had to get rid of it. And thankfully, Brian at Jerosa Records in Brookfield, Connecticut, bought the entire thing. God damn, dude. Multiple truckloads left Wild Man. I can only imagine. And then I showed you guys the picture that Brian posted on Facebook about their newly expanded, expanded metal, metal Like, oh my God, all because of CK. Yeah, great I can't even imagine how much shit Holy he's got now to add to their metal The section. picture just itself, I'm like, wait, is all of that from CK's collection? <laughs> I'm not sure. Holy I'm not sure. Fuck, Brian's dude. a good dude. I know him from back in the 80s. But uh, go support them if you're in Connecticut. Jerosa Records in Brookfield. Really cool that they bought the collection. Yeah, and that thanks, they're thanks for helping passing it on out it, there. Yeah. So you could buy a metal a to piece the masses. Of, yeah, buy a piece of CK's fucking collection. Hell yeah. would, you know, be fucking cool to have. They saw the Gormager CDs and they're like, uh, you can just put them in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had a bunch of low 12, too. Yeah. That's funny. All right, Joey. Well, you got a your your running the show here tonight at metal what you got for us uh i'm gonna bring it right here back to bloomington uh illinois with impetigo um it's one of my favorite bands of all time huge influence on what i do so it's awesome to be able to do the metal segment you know and talk about someone you're passionate about too fuck yeah <laughs> so impetigo not in Pedigo. Not in Pedigo. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm not going to say that I didn't call him that at first, when too. I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't know. But in Pedigo, that's how it's pronounced. Um, they started Dude, out. For a minute, I actually, like, 
I didn't even see like the logo. Like yeah. I just heard like you or whatever like talking about it. I thought it was. I thought you were saying Impentigo, like with an N in it. Like oh, Impentigo. Yeah. I'm Impentigo. like Impentigo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, so they they started out as Slow Death, but uh, they changed the name to Impentigo in 1987. Here in Bloomington, Illinois, um, the vocalist was Steve O. Uh, Mark Zoikas, he did the guitars. Um, Dan was on drums and then Scott on guitar. So two guitars, bass, vocal drums, four man squad. Uh, they fucking, I know they did some of their shit up here at the dorms too, like in normal Illinois. Uh, it's just crazy. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like college middle hits, just fucking kicking it and fucking right. making <laughs> sick shit. Yeah. Uh, Steve-O, he also did a lot of the artwork for him. Um, I'm pretty sure he probably continues to do artwork to this day. He's fucking badass uh so in 1987 they released their first demo which is all we need is cheese and it's like they're it's so punk influence yeah and just Dude, like it's been a while since i've heard that one but i remember that yeah being just like thrash and punk were de- and hardcore were like definitely like bigger influences on them on that one uh they they only put out a few albums and each time it progressed almost to a different kind of level. Right. Almost like I, you know, on a smaller scale of like what I watched Sepultura do. Like I could get that. Yeah. yeah their progression oh, was, yeah. was just very, uh, very vivid. So they put out, uh, all we need is cheese. Like I said, a bunch of fucking had some live shit, a bunch of fucking, you know, quick songs, fucking jams. They got one on there called, uh, what's up, Jeff. And a classic thing about that is if you go down to campus on ISU and go to North Street Records here in Bloomington, Illinois, uh, Bloomington Normal, the guy who owns that and who's always there is Jeff. That's who it is, and that's what the song, you know, they named after. What's up, Jeff? Yeah, what's up, Jeff? Nothing. What's (laughs) up, Jeff? (laughs) So anyway, so a little bit of fucking local fucking history about it. Uh, They put out two more demos in 89 and 90. They did Giallo and Bui Omega before they put out their first full length in 1990, which was Ultimo Mundo Cannibal, which I've got the hoodie hoodie on right now. Right now. Um, that was a progression a little more away from the punk stuff into more like early stages of grindcore where grind was coming out, years, uh, yeah. listening to Napalm Death Scum, obviously, and, you know, things like that. Um, they had songs on there such as Disorganized, uh, Dear Uncle Creepy, Red Wigglers, and Heart of Illinois. Heart of Illinois. Which I'm going to cover that Fuck song yeah, on my new album. Say you better yep. cover that shit. Uh, Goremonger. I've already covered, I did, I, street, I work for the street cleaner also. This is a so, great song. Yep. Uh, after Ultimo Mundo Cannibal, they put out uh, two more fucking demos, uh, Faceless and Antifado, both of those in 1991, before they came out with 1992's second album, Horror of the Zombies. Which is like yeah, that's classic as fuck. So fucking badass. God damn, And dude. that's like, they were definitely full on like death metal grindcore by that point. And the songs were definitely structured a lot more than anything else they'd ever done. Um, amazing sampling. Uh, they sampled fucking Deadbeat at Dawn, uh, uh, Bloody a, Pit of Horror. Um, fucking Cannibal Holocaust. Yep. Okay, dude, such a good fucking goddamn album. Uh, so basically, that's about whenever the band came to an end. They weren't, they weren't around very long, but... Uh, they did come back in 2007 and did a 20th anniversary reunion show at Central Illinois Metal Fest. I think, Pete, me and you were talking about that. Yeah. 
uh that was fucking amazing it was super fucking cool for me because that's a band who i never should have got to see live really but because of that bishop put that together yeah Yeah, that was fucking sweet so uh that was 2007 so in 2008 they actually released the uh the live album total zombie gore holocaust which has the cim fucking set as well as i believe some over in uh europe somewhere but that's pretty badass. And then they put out the uh, DVD, which is called Defiling the Stage in 2010, which has the CIM footage on it. Um, so, 20, no, in the year 2000, there was a tribute album put out called Wizards of Gore, which Razorback Records did that. And that was really good. A bunch of bands doing Impetigo songs, which that's what's so crazy is this band only put out two full lengths, handful of demos. While they were doing their live thing, it wasn't fucking very right. long. They're right. just out there doing their shit. And they weren't even like that big. They weren't big names on festivals. They were on some, like I think they played Milwaukee and you know some of those. But after they were done, like it was like cult classic status, and all of a sudden, all these people were right. like, "Oh man, I fucking love Impetigo." Um, so they did a tribute to them in 2000, like I said, Wizards of Gore that came out in Razorback Records, uh, Blood Duster, Lividity, Mortician, Lord Gore, Exhumed. There was just a oh, ton no. of badass bands that, that covered that covered Impetigo songs, um, and then just more recently in the last few years they put out uh it's called a tribute to boneyard <laughs> which is 33 <laughs> bands doing the song boneyard by uh, which we're gonna it's do just... that for the bumper music yeah but it's just like holy fuck like I, when i got it i was like am i really gonna listen to like 80 minutes of the same song but i listened to it we rolled in the car I'm with it i'd be rolling in the car with him it's like same song, but it's way different. Yeah, You're like, what I'm the sure. Fuck? You probably had it's, a lot it's of badass. A lot of different bands just totally yep. mixing it up. So, Impetigo, they're That's a fucking cool. huge band for me. Uh, me, Chris, uh, the, the Gillespie's. We all went out to the to the fucking yeah, cemetery me, me, here you, where they Michael did the, and yep. fucking Gillespie. Yeah, they did the horror of the zombie shoot there. Like their photographs for the album were all shot there, and like Chris right. found like the fucking monuments. The where actual they fucking like yeah. from the fucking horror. Of the and zombies. that was badass. I, I found the fucking right. big ass cross in the cemetery. It's like that's it and like i like, said all their fucking that? all their albums are like a little bit different so if you're gonna go and you haven't heard them and want to listen to them it, pick an album and you might have to fucking maybe if you don't like it listen to a different one you know right. it's just like one of those type Try but i would suggest if anybody wanted to start listening to them, just listen to horror of the zombies because that it's fucking so album is amazing yeah it's, it's got songs like fuck. fucking uh i work for the street cleaner wizard of gore boneyard defiling the grave breakfast at the manchester board the, the whole God album like damn, front dude. to back so Impetigo, no, fuck yeah from- literally yeah yeah fuck yeah, yeah and also i guess i'll just put this out too you can still get all their stuff i'm pretty sure hell's headbanger still puts out the vinyls for all their albums and then you can get the cds uh through various like a few different distros fucking right doing, so very very cool fuck yeah dude all right well in our new tradition of doing things whoever did the uh metal feature last week gets to do the lost classic this hell week yeah. so it's my turn um, and I went with a Black Sabbath album. I actually had a different album on here that I had just listened to, but then I was watching YouTube and I just picked like, you know, whatever I left off and uh, different options they give you for, you know, you'd Music. probably like yeah, this. Yeah, what's up next? Yeah. And uh, it was um, it was this like classical, I don't know if he's a pianist or what he is, but he does his take on like metal bands, you know, 
and he'll listen to them and he picks the songs apart, talks about what harmonies they're playing. It's pretty interesting. But he like really gets into the metal stuff, which is cool. Nice. And I saw he had the Black Sabbath song, Sign of the Southern Cross, which is a Dio song. Black Sabbath with Dio, and those are some amazing albums, and I just love that song is badass, and that whole album, Mob Rules, is just yeah. amazing. So Fucking right. Went with that. It's just uh, love that album. I could put it on any time as with a lot of the Sabbath stuff, but the Mob <coughs> Rules album and uh, Heaven and Hell was just <coughs> almost as good, if not you know, just as good. Um because it the both Dio era Black Sabbath are right. just really amazing, and they only did those two, and a live album, and that was it. So, all right. So, what, uh, Chris? What have you been listening to lately? Are Anything we not different? playing onslaught? No, I actually, uh, I was thinking about that with you know we we're doing the onslaught. Yeah. Uh, piece, but I always thought it seemed like it interrupted the flow. Oh, okay. So gotcha. I, I, I think I may have had it on the list last week. I forgot to mention oh, it, okay. so I apologize no, no. for not telling you guys. Before. Now we know. Are we good? So yeah. So I just thought if it seemed to flow better, not having I that honestly, interruption. Uh, honestly, Warfet, your shirt. Like I was checking them out. Fucking little. Yeah, do you like them? Badass as fuck, dude. They are badass, man. Like, Some of the awesome. fastest fucking guitar picking I've ever heard. Just tight. And these like crazy like little triplets and shit he throws in there. It's like, damn. Yeah, no, really they, they're badass. fucking badass. I was listening to them fucking uh, yesterday before football. Me and Joey was hanging out. Put on some MOD fucking USA oh, for yeah. MOD, dude. That shit was yeah. so good. Dude, like, we were just yeah. sitting, me and Joey just sitting there, just like smoking hitters. I was drinking beers, like, just like, just, yep, metal. <laughs> and then, other than that, I've been, I fucking came across this new po- podcast that I've been listening to called uh, Ear Hustle. And it's like, this dude that's been in prison and this chick. They record in San Quentin prison and they interviewing uh, inmates in prison and inmates that have gotten out, like talking about everyday life in prison and different situations. And it's pretty fucking interesting, dude. Huh. I, yeah, it's fucking awesome. I've been listening to it a lot. That's cool. It's pretty cool, but that's, that's what cool. I've been listening to. Awesome. Joey, what about you, dude? I uh, still got that KMFDM Nile. I was jamming that still fucking... Still killing it. Fucking huh? Columbine. Uh jamming a lot of that mr bungle i showed, new, oh we were yeah that too yeah I mean, dude last gotta night, love the yeah. mr bungle but i showed chris they did a cover of uh, van halen loss of control oh my god dude uh, it was so fucking yeah, good yeah. Rob, i forgot Rob about that Dukes talked that. about how Holy much he likes that mr bungle fucking too. so good yeah but yes yeah, so i was jamming that um uh, I, the new Goremonger CD. I got 14 songs done. Nice. Dude, they sound so good. We me and Chris well, jammed on the way in. On the way here. Fuck yeah, fucking, fucking car check. Fuck yeah. yeah. And it sounds good as fuck. And, awesome. Uh, another album I was jamming. I, I fucking played this over the nation, too, because I love it so much. But back to 1984, Exciter, Violence and Force. Oh, yeah. Violence and Force. Such yeah, a good Canadian fucking album. Metal, man. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love that shit back in the day. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of Warfect still. I can't get enough of those guys. They got three albums out on streaming, and I love every one of them. Uh, they're really, really good. I definitely can't recommend them enough, and I just got the shirt in yesterday that I ordered from their label, so very, very cool. Just really digging that, and still trying to work out the interview with uh, Chris Wallstrom, 
uh, who's the bassist over there in Sweden. And so they're like eight hours ahead of us. Uh, so we got to kind of work that out, but, uh, we'll get him in and, um, that'll be hopefully my next metal feature will be on those guys with a little interview piece. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. Very, very cool. Um, definitely. We, we always tell them about the six, six, six club guys. It's a way to support the show. Our Patreon supporters. Thanks to all of you that are members of the exclusive club. Chris, get they get it. the episodes a day early they get 10 percent off of merch you could already hear the interview with dukes yeah already got that and already got the one i did with Teresa lancaster for the keepers episode so a while like a few weeks away so you yeah. can already hear that shit exactly so it's a big thing it's only three bucks and in the episode description i link to that so you can do that if you're interested uh, also, in the episode description, I put a link to order one of our shirts. We oh, got yeah. these zombie shirts from our uh, design from uh, Jeff Gaither. They look amazing. Um, and so get one. Get one for mom fuck for yeah, Christmas. Dude. Why not? You know, grandma too. The grandma will wear the fuck out of it. Yeah, and we got the original shirts, Chris. We still got some of those left. So yeah. With just once me and those you are, on the back of it? Yeah, once those are gone, they're gone. So... Grab one of those one original have, shirts. I don't have one. Yeah, you need to I, got grab one. One. I got one. I need another one to keep. Yeah. So I think we've done plenty of metal tonight, guys. So, Chris, what the fuck are we going to do? Hey, let's get our mayhem on. Ho, ho, 419 Punky Brooks coming back at you to remind you it's coming up on that time of year where you got to buy shit for your loved ones. Don't leave them out. Well, I got a Christmas album, Christmas in the 419, that drops on Christmas Eve this year. Dropping straight fire, heat, 419, all the shit that you want. You can hear me sing classic holiday jams with a 419 twist like... Frosty the Pimp, Lil Cracker Boy, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Crackhead, and Jingle Hoes. Let your boy Punky keep that holiday cheer going on and bring the 419 into your own area code this Christmas. Ho, ho, 419, ho, bitches, Punky, out. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I love you, Joey. That's so stupid. It's so good. Uh, punky new album out. Oh, yeah, Christmas man. In the four one nine. Better order that shit now. Oh, oh man. Four one nine. Oh. <laughs> All right. And then before that was Impetigo with Boneyard. Oh, fuck yeah, sick, dude. Mm. Fucking sick. All right. We definitely love the funny, stupid, fake commercials. Those are punky. No, they're ones fucking great. great. Great shit. So. All right, very cool. Uh, well, we're in mayhem, guys, and um, you know Joey did a good job with the Impetigo uh, feature. I thought that was cool. Fuck yeah! And um, 
The only mayhem I'm going to talk about is, uh, you know, we just did the Punky commercial 419. And uh, I just want to talk about how classic it was to do the cage match with CK. Oh, yeah. When he was WDK and I was doing Punky. Because... Uh, I haven't even really said nothing about, you know, since CK passed since I came back because you guys ha- did the episode yourselves right. afterwards, which right. it was actually like made sense, you know what I'm saying? Because that's how it started. So it was just you guys. But, you know, ever since I came back, I never said much about it, but we we're going to talk about we we're going to do like a bigger episode about it. But right. I, I always just want to say that one of my favorite memories is always going to be, and whenever I do punky and stuff, like, WVK like, coming oh, yeah. back with a reaction yeah. dude. that shit yeah. and, and and to hear you know CK like how pumped up he got with that shit and how excited he got yeah and knowing how he was like you know that fucking meant a lot too because that was taking his mind off shit and he was genuinely like laughing and smiling about that shit right. so. and that's fucking awesome yeah. Fuck yeah no that's a good memory for sure dude that really is. Um, I had an appearance uh, Saturday at the Peoria Public Library. Uh, My booth was next to, and I guess in a way this is kind of a little mayhem, but it's not really mayhem. It's more (laughs) just funny. This guy, okay, I'm in a room with, I don't know, 20 tables all around the perimeter of the room. And I picked the one I saw that was an outlet. And I was like, oh, I'd love to buy an outlet for phones and shit. Oh, yeah, charge shit up. Yeah, so I picked that one. And there was like 20 other tables in there. And he comes in and sits right next to my table. You know, and I'm just like, whatever. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. And he's all dressed up like in a suit. And he's all professional-like looking. But he's got this bow tie on. And I remembered, I thought he looked familiar and then once I sat down and started setting my shit up, you know, I'm looking over at his setup and he's doing like this young adult stuff, which is very like, popular. Right, right. But he's just really off. Like he's just like really animated about what he's doing. It's like oh, almost like over the top. Did you catch a predator? No, I didn't. <laughs> no, he seemed like a good guy, but he's just really weird. So anyway... He would get people coming over to the table, and he had this puppet that was a turkey. And in he's, he would have somebody come over to the table and start talking to him. You know, hi, I've got these young adult books and different age group and stuff he had. This puppet? And he would say, would you like me to read you a page from my story about the zombie uh, turkey? And, of course, they're like... Uh, all right, you know, like, I'm sitting right there, so I heard the spiel, like, 40 fucking times, okay? And most of them would say, okay, and then he would fucking pull out this fucking turkey, and he would read. He'd had the book out, and he was reading it, like, very, very passionately with the turkey fucking... That's fucking crazy, And it was about this zombie turkey. Again, it's meant to be funny, but it's, like, creepy at the same time. And he was like doing this to all these people, and he was trying to get them to buy these books, and it was fucked up. But to have to hear that fucking repeatedly, <laughs> repeatedly was was crazy. And then there was a lady a couple of booths down in the corner 
who had a true crime book. It was called, I can't remember what it was called, but it was a Peoria case. Apparently she was involved in the, in the incident, huh. but she said everybody's name or, uh, was changed. Right. She was an older lady, very nice. She came over to us immediately. She was the only one in the room. She was in the corner. I picked the one by the outlet, like I said. She came right over. I mean, as soon as I sat, you know, my stuff down. And she starts telling me about her book and her story, and she's just talking. And I'm trying to, you know, get my stuff set up. So I'm not trying to be rude, but I'm trying to get my stuff set up. So eventually, you know, she tells me what she had to tell me, and she goes on. But then, you know, you're in there all day, so you're hearing the same these thing stories. Over but over she was like again. going on and on, even bef- beyond it, talking about how all these people said hers is like the best true crime book they've ever read, and all this stuff. And she went to a psychic, and the psychic <laughs> told her to write the book. Yeah, it was getting really kooky like that. And I'm just like, you're hearing this like over. And over and over again. So some very interesting characters there at the library with me. But I was there. and uh, Sounds like it would have been a fun time, honestly. It was. And the guy that uh, did my picture, he drew me uh, like it was supposed to be, I thought, a caricature. But it's like a likeness. I don't know what you call portrait. Yeah, it looks kind of like the Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. Yeah. It's... It was three minutes it took him. I paid him five bucks. He oh, did yeah. it in three minutes. And it looks and legit. it looks pretty cool. So I'm going to use it uh, for the back of uh, Deeper Than Dead when that comes out. So you'll see that. But, uh, yeah, just a very, very interesting time. And uh, I've mentioned it before, Creation of Chaos 3 is my last uh, book that came out in June. Uh, short story collection, very fucked up. Uh, audible, audible. If you like audio books or iTunes or Amazon, that's what I do is audio books. Yeah, audio books are a good way to consume books. I'm going to be doing some driving here coming up, so I'm going to know another way download. to consume books. Chop them up. Chop Use them it for up. Fucking goddamn fiber in your diet. Well, there you go. Like asbestos, right? Yeah. Uh, or you could buy Bibles for your roll joints. Up Bibles for your joints, baby. <laughs> Hell yeah! Uh, you could buy them locally at the Painted Wraith Curiosity Shop in downtown Bloomington. You can also get them. You can rent them out at the or check them out at the library in Peoria. They now have all my books there, so you can do that. And they even have some in the used book section downstairs. They got a local author section, and I signed those copies, so those are down there. So you could pick one of those up down there. And uh, there's that. So killer cage match, guys. We love to do this. this is where we take. A list of 70 killers we came up with. A list of 70 objects for him to fight with. And we got some listeners, Once Chris. Again, yes, we do. We got Roger Smith, Michael Draymond. What's up, Michael? And Rebecca Boomsock. How's it going, y'all? Hell yeah. Michael Draymond. Yeah, I haven't seen that name in a while. So that's that's good to see that Michael is fucked up. Uh, so thank you guys for providing the random numbers, which is how we come up with these killers. And Joey, who do we got fighting to death in our steel cage? Two unknown killers. The fucking Zodiac from California is going to be fighting against Jack the Ripper. Right. Jack the Ripper. Jack the Knife. From fucking Whitechapel. That's right. Old school. Uh, so interesting to have those two guys fighting. Since, like you said, Joey, they were technically, you know, never solved those right. cases. So 
Lots of speculation. It could be two women in the cage. It, it could very well be. As far as did I just well assume their gender? No, I did not. That's right. No, do not cancel me. That's right. <laughs> I'm uh, still here. <laughs> and uh, they got a couple of interesting objects here, Chris. They got an endless bottle of bleach and Ooh. a pair of brass knuckles. Yeah, that's fucked up, dude. And then what about the variable, Chris? Oh, uh, they got a fucking pissed off mountain lion. Oh. That's not oh good. my god, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean the mountain lion is gonna be one hell of a fucking thing now, to deal with. Can, like this endless bottle of bleach. Is it just like a pour bottle yeah. or do I got like a spray? No, I'm thinking like a pour, like a, pour? Like a bottle of bleach, yeah. Alright. Man, I don't know, man. So basically I don't even know what this one, dude. This is fucked. <laughs> Zodiac's gonna fucking goddamn go for the brass knuckles. The Ripper's gonna be like, run. I I don't know, dude. I can't even comprehend this one. Sorry, I can't even comprehend this. Joey, one. You got any any take on it? I mean, <clears throat> the only way I can see this one going because now, if I just put the two of them by what I would think that they would their physical statues would they be. They both right? sneak around. One's got a gun, one's right. got a knife. I, I would have to say that Jack the Ripper seems to have been the more physical. I was just gonna I, say okay, the more violent with yeah. his like crimes. close and personal right. stabbing like forty something. So down. if I was gonna say if they were gonna fucking tail of the tape, I'd go with Jack the Ripper. But <clears throat> the thing is is we have these fucking weapons and these fucking variables that we use and Bleach with with the zodiac, he's gonna have that connection with that mountain lion because for being out in California, like they deal with those, so he's gonna know what's up because that pissed off mountain lion, that's that's killing something regardless, right? That's going after something. So the fucking zodiac, what's the fucking mountain lion bubbles had on Trailer Park Boys? Oh, uh, I can't remember. Tiger? No, 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 no. But you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. So I think that, you know, Jack the Ripper is instantly going to go for the brass knuckles. He was like, oh, shiny apparatus. Maybe I can use that. Right. Uh, He's going to go for that and fucking Zodiac's going to be paying attention to that mountain lion because he doesn't want to fuck around. So the mountain lion is going to go for fucking Jack the Ripper. He's going to fucking get him and start ripping his fucking neck out. Fucking Zodiac's going to use his fucking smarts and fucking go grab that fucking endless bleach and fucking run over and shove it into the mountain lion's fucking throat and fucking kill him because otherwise the mountain lion's going to get him as well. So I'm going to say Zodiac is going to win that one. Yeah, I... Okay. I like that. I think that's a very fucking... But like Chris said, it's kind of a weird one. Especially with you not knowing exactly who they are. I couldn't get really real gross or stupid image. with it, really, but yeah, no, it was, I'm, it was I'm still looking fun. at this one like, man, yeah. fucking Zodiac. Yeah, it's Jack. a tough one. It's a tough Ugh. one, and the bleach. I mean, yeah, I mean, it would burn your eyes, but like Joey said, if you're able to get the mountain lion to like drink this shit, then definitely gonna fucking kill him, you know. All right, well, very, very good and interesting killer cage no, match tonight. I think we've done plenty of mayhem, so I think. Oh wait, wait, real fast! Something that I thought was funny. Yeah. So Jesse, butt chugging Jesse, right? Oh yeah. And the Dayton click out there. So Jesse got a fucking house and shit, right? Yeah, yeah. In Dayton, uh, it's outside Dayton, and uh, he got he got a fucking. It's fucking nice, yeah. Like he was talking shit because he's like, dude. For the last fucking five years, I've been blackout drunk every night, and I fucking got a house. What's your fucking pussy's problems? 
You know, just talking shit because that's what Jesse does. But anyway, so he got this house. Like, he'll invite the fucking dudes over to fucking come hang out and they'll party and shit. So our buddy Angelo, like, all the time, he would fucking have, like, a six or a 12-pack of O'Doul's there. <laughs> and that's what they would give Angelo, and he would like be partying with him, drinking. He's drinking O'Doul's. That was not an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, beer. not alcoholic. Right. He has no idea though. <laughs> oh, he's just fucking drink like, hey man, it must be like this beer I'm drinking. That was but, not uh, alcoholic. Oh, it must be this weed yeah. I'm smoking. Oh, that was pencil. But shades. no, it's so funny. So uh, I was doing some artwork <laughs> for Angelo and shit. So whenever I made the post, I was like. Yeah, I'm doing something for Angelo Duels and fucking Jesse was just fucking dying off this oh, shit. No. But it's just so funny, like such a stupid troll. Like Angelo you're buying Duels. your friend not alcoholic beer and watching him not get drunk <laughs> off it, you know? That's funny. That's funny. Well, that was a good end of the segment. Yeah. God damn, dude. All right. Well, we've done plenty of mayhem tonight, so let's hit the fucking outro. Some Forbidden and the title Forbidden track from Evil. their classic release, Forbidden Evil. So, ah, uh, yeah, yeah, not really my bag <laughs> with that singer, man. I just can't do it, but uh, but a classic band, and I know CK was all about them. Oh, yeah, all right. Our bumper music tonight, Morbid Angel, Forbidden, and Joey, some fucking impentigo. Fuck Thanks yeah. to you for bringing that to us. Uh, metal segment, of course. Uh, Crisis, intro. motherfucker. What's up? Hell yeah, Hell man. Yeah. And Joey, the Murder Metal Mayhem intro. Low 12. That's right. And thanks to everybody out there listening. We keep seeing those numbers rolling in. We appreciate it. Chris, we got a good comment here for you to read. First yeah, one. Uh, Paula California says this podcast is fucking awesome. I just started listening to you and lost Angeles. Nice. Fuck yeah, dude. Thank you for listening, Paul. Yeah, Spread Rodney Alcala. Yeah, Rodney Alcala yeah. fucking represent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's Joey, like, what about the second one, man? Uh, Damien666 said, I like nice. what you guys did with the new metal segment. CK was one of a kind. I'm glad y'all are keeping it going. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah, Damien. Thank you. Uh, I love this one. Pinhead Rules 56 <laughs> commented, I'm a listener in Denver. You guys crush all podcasts, so fuck God yeah, damn man. white trash shit for days. Thanks. Tell buddy. your friends to listen, too. That's Hell right. Yeah. Chris, what about that last one, dude? Uh, Don Stilson says, I love the way you all do the podcast. I like the Killer Cage match the best. So, fuck oh, yeah. yeah. A lot of the people like that man. killer cage. I got confused as shit tonight. I was yeah. looking at it like... I'm no, like, it's a weird one. I don't even know how to fucking go about this I one. I didn't think it Sometimes would be weird with the two it. unknown killers right. going at it, you know. So, all right. Well, you can go to MurderMetalMayhem.com to listen to all our past episodes. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to the YouTube channel because I'm going to be posting... A video of that uh, interview I did with Rob Dukes. It's on uh, Zoom, and I'm going to put some intro to it and a little plug-in and stuff at the end. And 
uh, some plug-in for the band and everything else. So, so yeah, so that'll be on our YouTube channel. So you definitely want to go on there and subscribe so you know when we post stuff. Uh, check out the show on pretty much any podcast platform. And when you rate or comment, it helps. So please do that. Uh, you could support the show by going to that 666 Club on our Fuck Patreon yeah. page, which is patreon.com slash Murder Metal Mayhem. And I'll link to that in the episode description. Just three bucks a month for all sorts of cool VIP shit, you know. Get it in. Uh, creationofchaos.com if you want to pick up one of my books. I'm trying to get my website completely done, petealtieri.com, which will be a good resource for all my stuff but right now the creation of chaos series you can get from there um also you can go to the episode description if you want to order one of the physical books if you get it from me you get a poster and a bookmark with it so that's a good deal or if you want to do audio uh, it's on audible itunes and amazon so also links to that if you go in the episode description all right, we can't let him go without no. hearing a karaoke song. This is, a, this is an older one that got pre-recorded. Yeah, I right. didn't have time to do one this weekend, but when I was scrolling through some of them, this one fit very uh, appropriately Dude, with uh, in a bad Rodney way. Though. That's what that, that's what sucks. It, it fits it in a bad way. It really does. So Rodney Alcala, this one's oh. for you. Until next time, keep one foot in the gutter. And just fucking keep your face on national TV. And keep your other hand ordering our Murder Melbourne t shirt. Yes. <laughs>
such a bad girl Must have worked me overtime Feels good Dancing close to the borderline She's a magic mountain She's a leather glove Ow! She's my soul It must be fucking love She's only 17 17 The girl she gives me love Like I've never seen She's only 17 Daddy says she's too young But she's old enough for me She's everything I need Daddy says she's too young But she's old enough Old enough for me